I fucked him in the ass. And when I pulled my cock out, it was covered with shit, if you want to know. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Silver and Gold. Coming to the ring from parts unknown at a combined weight of 853 pounds, Piccolo and Dr. Zong. I came to know the story, but please you don't want to be at. They say no one to be home, talking to misery. We knew when we got here, they tried to put us away. But when they see the smoke down the street, they ran the other way. Oh yeah, Silver Gold is back. Ugh. Episode thirty-five. A oh, well, last week we called it a. Not that there's anything wrong with that double feature, but we there's actually some, I guess uh, maybe questioning your uh, your orientation. Double feature. Might be a more apt description. Uh, this week we are covering a, a 1982 film, Querelle, and 1964 British film, The Leather Boys. I am the loaf, as always. He is the Zom, as always. Mmm. 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 Yes. We are rolling, rolling uh, low dice rolls every time here on the show. Yeah. Slow. On purpose. Uh-huh. And uh, so, sir, yeah. how, how are you? How, how are you? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm doing okay. I, um, I am. Um, my mustache is full of kidney beans, and um, <laughs> I actually made some uh, peanut butter cocoa, which I just drank. Uh, I finished off. And it was pretty good. I, that's my new thing. So I'm planning on putting on about if I drink about six of those a day with a big glob of peanut butter. Yes, my belly's going to get nice and uh, nice and soft and supple, covered with a thatch of soft brown hair. <laughs> mm, and my uh, boobies, mm, flap, flap, flap. I, uh, I I posted about it online. I've had a weird fucking week. Not any, not for any particular reason. It's just been like, bleh, like I've been <laughs> doing shit. You know, one of those weeks where the thought of doing anything just bores you. No, I never had one of those. Had to finish the movie, uh, one of the movies for the show this week, this morning. Yeah. Uh, I drank. I've drank myself silly with coffee this morning. I've my my belly is sloshing. I'm gonna shit myself any second now. <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be great. Yeah, <laughs> maybe what? Maybe it's gonna be one of those, everything. This whole, this whole this whole show is gonna be. A, yeah, everything's yeah. innuendo. Mm, yeah, oh yeah, clean out that shitter. Um, phones around my ears. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so uh, yeah, we're uh, like I said, covered Quarrel and the Leather Boys. Uh, Zom, before we get to that, uh, what have you been watching this week? Bunch of shit. Bunch of shit. Um. 
I think I mentioned this one last week, but I can't remember. But I'll just say uh, documentary, Queen of the Sun, What Are the Bees Telling Us? Check it out. Watch it. It's on Netflix Instant Watch. It's really good. Uh, I think I did say that because I said that I watched or I heard about it on Sam Cedar's uh, yes. podcast and you called me a fucking a commie. liberal hippie, commie, something <laughs> or other. Okay. Other pinko, than that, pinko, so pinko, yeah. it is good. And, and just to remind everybody, yeah, check it out. And plant lots of flowers. You know, help those bees. Give them something to eat. Um, next thing I watched, uh, Netflix Instant Watch also. Uh, was uh, Marvel Comics Fantastic Four, The World's Greatest Heroes. And this is the animated animation uh, TV series. I watched a couple episodes, and then I got into a whole bunch of other shit. This week was one of these weeks where I would start watching something and then not finish it, start watching something else. I had like five movies going at the same time. And then like yesterday, I was like, i got to finish these so I can – watch them or talk about them. Uh, but I watched the uh, first episode uh, featured uh, featured the villain is uh, Dr. Doom. Second one was the mole man. And it's all right. I mean, you know, it's, it's probably better than the uh, fucking one with Jessica Alba, which I didn't mind. But uh, as you have said before, I am a comic <laughs> book apologist and I thought she sucked and she is, she's just awful. Um, next thing I watched was a little movie. By a mm, up and coming director, or uh, I don't know. I think he might. He seems like he might have a future, but if he keeps putting out stuff like this, I'm going to put him in a um, in a uh, a genre called over sentimental. Uh, uh, <laughs> I don't I want to say horse shit because well, it's war horse, so maybe it was horse shit. It's uh, Steven <laughs> Spiel. Spile, Spielberg. Yes, Spielberg. Um, man, let me tell you something. There was one one scene in this that that was kind of got me a little not teary eyed, but I mean, seeing any animal suffer is you know. But it's just God damn. It's like, dude, you know. Okay, we get it. You're making this movie, and it's pulling. It it didn't pull my heartstrings. It fucking uh, put him in bondage. It wrapped him up and and fucking <laughs> beat him. And I'm like, okay. After a while, I was like, okay, this is kind of a little over the top. So it was just, yeah, it fucking. It, more than manip, it was <laughs> so manipulative that it was just it almost became like a vulgar, uh, a colossal vulgarity of manipulation of your emotions. Um, but it has lots of horses in it. The next thing I watched was a movie called The Devil's Dubla or The Devil's Double from 2011. And this is about Uday Hussein and uh, his crazy wacko. He was a psychopath and uh, he wanted to have a double. So he got this guy he went to school with and said, you're going to be my double. And then he um, he got to experience how really truly crazy this motherfucker was. And I have, you know, read some stuff about, uh, Uday Hussein and some of the shit that they, that he did. And, uh, um, and also, uh, for the wrestling fans, uh, Sheik Adnan El Casey, who also wrestled in the WWF as Chief J Strongbow, who just passed away recently. His partner, Billy White Wolf was Sheik Adnan El Casey. And, uh, he was a, um, Oh God, I can't remember what uh, was it. Not uh, not I don't know if it's Sunni or what tribe that Saddam Hussein belonged to, but or or whatever they call it. Uh, but I'm pretty sure it was Sunni. 
Yeah. Well, they, the Adnan was, you know, in that group, that political group. And so he actually knew Saddam Hussein and some of the shit that he wrote in his biography about, you know, some of the stuff that he saw under Saddam Hussein was because he was like a, an Olympic wrestler before that. And then he got out. But, uh, yeah, these people were just fucking put it this way. If Saddam Hussein's your dad and you know how bad he was, but he thinks you're a fucking psycho <laughs> and you're fucking way too over the top. <laughs> Next thing I watched was a little film. I watched a lot of French cinema. I think I did. It seemed like it uh, this week. And it was the movie Breathless from 1960. Ooh. Jean-Luc Godard. And um, I, um, I liked it. Uh, like I said, I think Will from the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, who brings class to trash since 1977, um, I think he said that he liked the Richard Gere version better. Yes. I think the Richard Gere version is more um, for the – I think for the – you know, geared towards uh, the masses, like, like more – Hollywood audience. Yeah. More commercial, yeah. And, uh, and, and, it, and I like that one because I thought Richard Gere was so fucking over the top and funny, um, you know. And, but um, I think this one, I admired the way it was shot. Uh-huh. And um, Jean-Paul Belamondo uh, was just fucking – I like him. Some people said that they don't really like him that much uh, as compared to, say, like um, Alain Delon. Right. But I, I don't, I'm not going to compare you know, either one of those. If I had to choose, I'd pro- pro- probably take you know, Alain Delon before Jean-Paul Belamondo. But I've seen Jean-Paul Belamondo in um, several movies now. And I I liked him. Now, he is so fucking super young in this. But – and I think that because of uh, advertisement or or advertising, uh, you know, people making commercials and stuff like that because they bite off of a lot of this stuff. um, When I was watching some of it, I was like, you know, this kind of reminds me of a goddamn Calvin Klein commercial or something. (laughs) Parts of it when they'd be laying in bed or whatever. Now, Gene Seberg – I thought was I mean I think she's very pretty yeah. you know she had the really short hair but I mean I like that some guys can't stand if a girl has short hair I am attracted to that maybe it's because I'm like Querelle but we'll get into that later <laughs> anyway now but I think she she's really cute and everything and good looking and everything but and I, and she's an American in France when she's speaking French. Oh my God, when Bellamondo is speaking French and he's like, Jean Paul Bellamondo. And she'd be like, Jean Paul Bellamondo. You know, she, <laughs> she just, you know, the, the, the American accent, it, it, when the French are speaking it, it just flows, yeah. you know. And when, you know, we have that, we have to enunci- enunciate everything, you know. And she didn't sound like a redneck, but it just came through. But I liked it. I thought it was good. It's the first I, time I've ever seen it. Oh, cool. I was going to say. So. Uh, next thing is my computer just did something it shouldn't have done. Uh-oh. Oh, you goddamn son of a bitch. Uh-oh. Wait a minute. Okay, well, I'll just have to go in, in, in another direction. What? Somehow I clicked on it. So it. I had them all in order, and Uh-oh. I clicked something, and it took me to Corel and Leatherboys. So now I have to go 
in the other order, and then I'll just get back to this. Oh. Okay, next thing I watched, I was watching this morning, which I told Loaf it was going to be the last thing I was going to talk about because I only have a, I have a little bit left of it to watch. But it's Mission Impossible: Ghost Protocol, 2011. Um, anytime, I don't know what it is, but when I know what it is, I mean, uh, Tom Cruise is kind of a it just I don't know, just the way he is and everything. He just kind of is seems like kind of an ass. Uh, but you know, this is a good, pretty good movie. I mean, there, there are parts of it and I've seen this in, in other action movies these days where it's almost like they, especially ones that are based on a video game. But this one had a couple of scenes where, you know, they, they, when they're getting the mission thing and like he's standing and listening to a tape recording or somebody's telling him like so-and-so. Uh, stole this and you need to go to this area. You will have four hours and 27 minutes to go through here, here, and here. And then, to, and it's just like when you start on a video game, you start a, a, a board that you're going to go through or a section you're going to go through and they tell you what you need to do. <laughs> and it just sounds just like that. And, I, uh, and now the one dude, I was sitting here and I hadn't heard too much about this. I knew that Jeremy Renner was in it. And I was like, yeah, okay, you know, he's all right. Uh, and Simon Pegg, you know, he was good. He, uh, you know, he's going to be there for a little comic relief, but it works. I mean, it didn't fall flat. But I kept looking at this one guy and I was like, who the fuck is that? I cannot fucking think of who this is. And it was the guy that plays Mikael Blomqvist in the uh, Swedish version of Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, oh, okay. which is Michael Nivquist. And he's really good. I just, I mean, it was one of those things that was on the, the fucking, like, I guess, tip of my tongue or in the back of my brain. Uh-huh. And I couldn't place the face because he was, he plays um, a bad guy. Spoiler alert! Okay. <laughs> uh, oh, you ruined what? it. That son of a bitch! Uh, I thought he was trying to help Elizabeth, and now he's a dick. Okay, uh, next thing I watched was a little <laughs> film with a guy, a little film with a big cock. And that is 2011's Shame or Shame. Uh, <laughs> Shame. Uh, let me tell you something about Shame. Uh, this has a lot of fucking in it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. And he has against glass dick. fucking. Uh, I want to state right now that Michael Fassbender has me beat. <laughs> That's for sure. If you uh, if you pulled my balls off and sewed them to the end of my dick, I still wouldn't be. <laughs> I know. I was like, "God damn, motherfucker! If I had a dick like that, I'd walk around naked in all every movie. I'd be like in hunger, and I'd be walking around anorexic with my dick hanging out, you know, and uh, uh, fucking inglorious bastards." He'd figure, out, he'd figure out how to work a nude scene into Jane Eyre. You know, well, you know, I've seen pictures of Brad Pitt when you know they had like these pictures a while back uh, of him actually naked when he was with Jennifer Aniston in mm-hmm. their house, paparazzi. And, you know, okay, if it's fuck, I don't give a shit. If it's fucking cold, I mean, you know, the goddamn thing shrivels up. And uh, uh, when it's like that, it's not a true, I mean, because if that was a true measure of your size, then, you know, it would be like a fucking <laughs> But this motherfucker is walking around flaccid like John Holmes <laughs> And and if I was him and I was in Inglorious Bastards with Brad Pitt, I'd be like, "Hey, Brad, let's do a nude. Let's do like a shower scene or something together." Because <laughs> Brad Pitt would be like, "Fuck." Uh, Carrie Mulligan, she um, shows some stuff. She shows some skin too. 
Yeah, she does. And she had a nice little body on her. And then you get to see an array of people that I have no idea who they were, but they're naked and he's just fucking. And, uh, and, and as, I was, yeah, as I was watching this, I was like, you know, what's what's the shame part of this? This just seems like my every every, you know. How I live every day, you know. <laughs> I mean, you know, I don't understand it. I mean, there was, well, there was one scene in it that, well, I don't know. You know we'll just move on from there. It was good, though. It was fucking really good. I liked it. Uh, it's, it's, art, it's arty, but it's not too arty. Uh, there's a lot of stuff in there where there's just no dialogue. and yeah. But it, it, it's good because, I mean, it's like him drawing into himself and, you know, how he, he really – I mean, he's acting. When somebody's a good actor – and they don't have any dialogue, but you can just feel what they're – and that has to do with the music too. I mean just the sound, the the uh, music in it really pushes it along and helps you there. Uh, next thing I watched um, was another French movie, and it was called Le Professional or The Professional from 1981 with Jean-Paul Belmondo. This is on Netflix Instant Watch. Um, I watched this one. It's been in my queue for a while, and just because he was in it, and I watched Breathless, and it's a it's a pretty good action movie. I liked it. Um, kind of a sort of a cross. I mean, it was you know straight up, but he's a um, hitman or whatever for the government. He gets double crossed, and then comes back and to get revenge. So it's pretty cool. Um, moving right along, he's a little bit older in that one. Yeah, he looks like it. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, what was uh, Breathless? Was yeah, this is like 20 years later almost. Yeah. And uh, uh, there was a couple of scenes, you know, because I guess he was a boxer at one time, and that's kind of why he has the uh, little kind of smashed up nose. Yeah. And uh, there was a scene in this one, like you said, 20 years later, and he was standing there, and he looked like the proverbial Joe Don Baker large mouth, mouth bass. His he, he I was like, man, he didn't age well but then you know you see him and he's got his shirt off i'm like fuck man he still looks like a goddamn you know like he could whoop some ass uh <laughs> next thing i watched i watched uh for the second time another french movie la 317 section uh which is the uh, 317th platoon that's the uh, kind of the small uh during the Dien Bien Phu uh in indochina and vietnam uh a french um um, platoon is on kind of on the run or not on the run, but sort of, you know, sort of cause yeah. Dian Fu is, is about to fall and they're stuck out there in the jungle. But, uh, that's a really good one. And, uh, I have watched it a second time. I watched it, I think the week before. So that tells you that I like it. Uh, and it's got Bruno Kramer in it and, uh, he's cool. Uh, next thing, next movie. <laughs> Machete. Machete. Machete Maiden Unleashed. 2010. Now, this is a um, – I mean, most of our people probably have seen this. I'm probably the last person to have not seen it. Um, and it's uh, all about uh, them going and making – the documentary about them making uh, action exploitation movies and shit like that in the Philippines because it's so cheap. Yeah. Marcos was uh, – the fucking in charge of the Philippines and he would give them the army and stuff. It's, I thought it was cool because I, I just remember, I just know Sid Haig mostly from, um, the, um, captain, whatever. Yeah. Oh, fuck the one goddamn, uh, house of a thousand corpses. Oh, right, The Rob zombie movies. Yeah. The Rob zombie movies. Uh, and I know I have probably seen him in other shit, but I didn't know who he was. 
and getting to see him when he was younger and was in you know movies with Pam Greer and stuff. Right. I'm like, holy shit, that is Sid Haig, you know? <laughs> he looks like somebody that would be in a, like a, a '70s porno movie. Um, and not, then, not a pretty man. Yeah, yeah, but he was better looking then than he is now. I mean, oh. you know, fuck it, Sid Haig, man, you knocked yourself out. If you was down there with all them hot broads, I'm sure he was fucking some. <laughs> you know. Anyway, and you got Arlie Ermy, and I thought it was funny because we were just talking about Vietnam before we went on air. And uh, one of the guys that I went to high school with, he was he liked war movies and stuff, and he was just a big party. He was like our our Blue Doe from Animal House, <laughs> and our school. and uh, he said um, Apocalypse Now was his favorite fucking war movie because it told Vietnam how it really was. And then here's Arlie Ermy and this thing, and he says because he was in Vietnam, and he says. This movie wasn't like Vietnam because it was bullshit. He said, hell, it just looked like idiots. Everybody's walking around like a bunch of morons and everything. He said, it wasn't like Vietnam at all. <laughs> and then they had some hot chicks in this. And uh, you know, one of my favorite parts of it was um, Roger Corman on there talking and then people talking about Roger Corman. That was cool. Because he's so, yeah, we made this movie and uh, and I told him, you know, we need to do this and do that. And then these other, then they cut to like John Landis or something. And he's like, yeah, Roger was just about making money. He didn't give a fuck what it was. <laughs> so that was pretty cool. And Landis was good. I I, I liked uh, hearing him get interviewed because he seems like, you know, somebody who would be funny. Uh, I really got into uh, the Rasslin. They, uh, they have a bunch of the Rasslin documentaries on Netflix Instant Watch. Uh-huh. And I watched uh, Born to Controversy, the Rowdy Roddy Piper story. Yeah, I thought, um, and, yeah, I, I thought it was good. Uh, um, you know, you got to see a lot of the – they didn't have – um, maybe it's – I don't – McMahon must not own a lot of the um, uh, Pacific Northwest stuff, Don Owens promotion because that's one of the places that Piper really started – Big when he feuded with uh, Playboy Buddy Rose up there and tag team with Rick Martel, but uh, so you didn't see a lot of that stuff. But you got all the you know Mr. T stuff and shit like that, and uh, him painting himself half black. <laughs> I had uh, no idea before I saw that that he really disliked Mr. T so much. Yeah, well, see, I mean, I know that that um, when you're a heel, it's your job to get heat no mm-hmm. matter what. You're mm-hmm. supposed to be a total dick. But some of the guys, like Ole Anderson would do that. Like if he was going to wrestle Tony Atlas, he'd get on TV and be like, we don't even, we don't even uh, let your kind eat you know, where we eat, where I'm from or right, something right. like that. Man, that's kind of but, – but they're you – know, like Ole Anderson, if it was in Georgia and, and a lot of the wrestling fans were African-Americans, well, he wanted to be the biggest dick in the world. So he would say kind of either subtly racist shit or totally racist shit. And Piper did the same thing, and I'm kind of like, eh. I don't know if I like that. Uh, <laughs> yeah, subtly racist when he talked about the chains Mr. T was wearing. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Um, like I said before, I think I maybe even mentioned on the show. Uh, bad news did not uh, care for him painting himself out <laughs> beat the shit out of him uh, in real life. Uh, next thing I watched was another uh, wrestling. One on Netflix since to watch WWE, the rise and fall of WCW. Uh, I like this one a lot um, because, you know, I think the greater majority of our listeners that are wrestling fans went through the NWO Eric Bischoff uh, legacy. But I like that they showed a, a lot of the Jim Crockett stuff before yeah. and talked about old man Jim Crockett and then Jimmy and David Crockett and those guys. Um, so that's pretty cool. It's funny. Uh, I, I, that really, that era over there, the late 90s, was the last time I can remember being, exci- being excited about, <laughs> even about like TV shows. 
Yeah. Like uh, excited. I was like, oh shit, it's Monday. Yes. Like I don't. I'm not like that about television at all anymore. Nothing. I, I, I very rarely watch TV, and if there's a show on and everybody's talking about it, I'll just wait for the box set to come out, or I'll watch it on in demand. You know, the only thing I watch is like political shows because I have to get my indoctrination and my talking points down every week. Next thing. Wait a minute. I watched uh, Rise and Fall of WCW again. No, I didn't. Um, <laughs> to the old computer here. Sing a little song. Next thing I watched was another wrestling one. So if you're uh, our fans that aren't wrestling fans, you know, uh, <laughs> bear with me. I think this might be the last one. Uh, the Triumph and Tragedy of World Class Championship Wrestling. I like this one a lot. I've seen the other uh, documentary that. Um, they did, yeah. uh, uh, and it was really good too. This one, I mean, it was done by WWE, but it was good. And um, just, it's really, I mean, it's just really sad. Talk about something that would just break your heart. And the one thing that I never knew was that when, um, I think it was when Chris, the little one, he was all, he had asthma, and he was all these guys in the Von Erich family were all athletes. Well, Mike wasn't, but he, I mean they pushed him, and then he fucking killed himself too, taking pills. But um, the little guy, Chris, the youngest one, he was only God. He probably five foot five or something like that. He was real short, and he had asthma, so he took this medication which made his bones real brittle. Like he got in one wrestling match, and he did a drop kick and broke his arm. And um, so he was really – I mean he always wanted to wrestle and be like his big brothers, and I think that just weighed on him and weighed on him, and he knew that he would never do it. And so the kid goes out and shot himself and killed him. Yeah. Well, I didn't know. I mean they never – I never heard how they found him. But you know, hearing Kevin Von Eric talk, he went out there and found him, and his mom was with him. Now – She's lost. Jackie got electrocuted when he was five years old. Uh, David died in Japan from the peritonitis or whatever he had in his stomach. Um, Carrie killed himself. Mike killed himself. And Chris killed himself. Okay, now this wasn't a wrestling storyline. And uh, and I can't imagine. I think Chris, I think he, the, the only other one that, killed that that died after him was Carrie. So she had already lost her first son, lost David, and lost Mike, and then goes out and they find the little boy, you know, the the youngest one. Oof. And Kevin picked him up and he thought that he had took pills and he was holding him and he said he I guess he was holding his head and like, you know, Chris, Chris, Chris and he said his finger went in the hole in his head. Uh. And said and my mom was right there. He said I couldn't protect her, I couldn't shield her from it. And her, she ended up divorcing the dad, Fritz. Uh I don't know if it was after Carrie killed himself or what, but I mean can you imagine lose you you're a woman and you've given birth to to six sons. You lose five of them. And you lose five of them. And like Kevin said, he said, um, um, at one time I had five brothers, and now I'm not even a brother. And, I, and he said that. I mean, it's like, God, I feel like I was going to fucking well up. I was like, fuck, I can't imagine you know, what those guys went through. Um, next thing I watched was a shitty movie. <laughs> not too much to talk about. It's called uh, Sweet Revenge. Uh, from 1987, it's on Netflix. Uh, instant watch, and the only it had two people, or I think only one real person that I, <laughs> real person, uh, Nancy Allen is in it, 
I want Martin Landau, but and Gina Gershon. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> Gina Gershon was like a nobody at this time, and and she's she's just borderline almost. She's hot, but she's almost borderline funny looking because she's got buck teeth. Mm. Um, man, this is low budget. And the guy, the one guy <laughs> that's like the lead, it's it's a low budget like action movie. And Nancy Allen and these girls get kind of kidnapped by white slavery, and Martin Landau's the uh, the head of the white slavery. Uh, people and he's like almost like an evil mastermind or something. And the one guy, I think the one guy, Ted Shackelford, he is like the kind of Indiana Jones guy that goes to rescue him or whatever. And I believe he was on Knott's Landing. So anyway, that doesn't. Uh, who gives a shit? It, it, was, <laughs> it was bad, man. It was fucking bad. It was. It, there was nothing good about it. Uh, <laughs> next thing I watched was not. Well, I guess if it was Breathless, then I'm done. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, let me let me just make sure here. I had this all set up, people. I thought it was yeah, okay, that's it. So anyway, that was it for me. And you know, read a, read some comics, and Marvel Comics is just really getting greedy. Uh, instead of uh, putting out like one title, if they have one like a title, say Avengers or whatever, mm-hmm. and putting it out once a month, instead of doing that and putting out like a forty-page comic. Uh, once a month, they're putting out – they're like cutting that in half and putting out two 20-page comics oh. a month and charging you still full price. And I got my comic and I opened it up and I was like, well, you know, what are these people talking about when they say that? Because this feels like it's the same size. I got halfway through and the story just ends and then they have like a preview and advertising. Ugh. A pre for Avengers versus X Men, so I'm kind of getting down on them to the point where I think I'm just not even going to read any of their shit anymore. That sucks. Uh, but other than that, that's about it. I haven't read comics in a while. Um, yeah. I did. I did start reading. Well, I start reading again uh, the Game of Thrones book this week. Um, you know, like I said, I was a little off. Like I didn't feel like watching movies or anything, and I tried reading. So I read. I mean, I read a little bit. That book's really good so far, but. It, I don't know. It was hard to get into anything much this week, but um, I watched a I watched a handful. Um, I was uh, so I'm really lazy sometimes. Like I like to catalog any new movies that I get, mm-hmm. and but I get lazy about it, and I'll just say, okay, I'll do this later. In the fucking pile of stuff that I needed to add because I go to Big Lots and I buy like four movies, and I'm <laughs> like, I don't feel like you know because what I do, I don't keep my cases out. I used to do that, and I had fucking DVDs everywhere. Yeah. So what I, what I do when I get them. I take the I, I buy these like multicolored plastic sleeves at uh, Best Buy, mm-hmm. and uh, so I add the film to my. I've got this like app on the iPad and the iPhone that lets me keep track of what movies I have in what format and where they're stored. So I do that, and I just put the plastic sleeves in these long boxes, and I keep those boxes downstairs, and then I put the cases up in like boxes in the attic, just out of the way, out of sight. So while I was uh, organizing the films, I, I popped in one of the ones that I bought at, um, at uh, Barnes & Noble. And for those of you who would like to know, I, this is the second time we're recording this bullshit because... It's not. What? It is not. <laughs> Liar. I'm eating coleslaw, so I have my microphone put up. Of course, I, I push my microphone up so you don't have to hear me chew. And then you're like, what? <laughs> uh, so um, I watched Willard. Which is a, a Crispin Glover film with rats, and we talked about uh, Arlie Ermy earlier, and uh, we were talking about um, 
Robert Forrester having a well, maybe he should have worn a wig at a certain time in his career, and you get a little bit of both in this one with Ermy wearing a fucking crazy looking wig. Um, the is amazing how many rats they could have on the screen at once. Um, it was it was pretty good. I, I didn't know what to expect. It was kind of a blind buy because it was really cheap, and I like Crispin Glover so, and um, you know demise. I said this earlier, but <laughs> I feel like I'm just going to repeat everything. But Demise uh, would like a Crispin Glover double feature, so this Yay! Be one of the ones Let's we have it. to have to cover. <laughs> Spontaneity, love it. The um, <laughs> um, you know River's Edge and this, and I think what, what was the other one we said? Uh, uh, oh, the Wizard of Gore remake that you said you haven't heard of, so. So yeah, well maybe we'll have to well if we'll do a, a demise a double for demise with Crispin Glover since he's uh, it the, could be the demise of the show. <laughs> waka waka. Ooh-ha! Um. So I watched um this one on instant. My uh my wife um if there's a documentary about. Prisons. What, what is it? Pri- yes. What did I say? Prisons. Wedding dresses. Prisons. Wedding dresses or prostitution yes. or a combination of some of the of, of those three. And if you could find all three, she would freak out. If there's a, a documentary or some kind of Nat Geo documentary or whatever on Netflix, instant she will watch it. So and she likes limp prosthetic penises. <laughs> and um, who doesn't? The no no no. <laughs> Covered in coleslaw. So she, oh god, she watched. Um, well, she started this one, and she ended up falling asleep. And I ended up really, really liking it. But the great happiness space, um, tale of an Osaka love thief. This is a story uh, or documentary about um, a well host clubs in general, but one particular one called the Rakio Rakio Cafe in Osaka. And basically, they're almost like male prostitutes. They're these very pretty guys in their twenties that work in this bar that women go in and pay to spend time with them. And, you know, sometimes they say it leads to sex, but for the most part of these women spending this exorbitant amount of money on alcohol and stuff and the time to just hang out with these guys who pretty much just pretend to be their boyfriend. Um, it's really interesting. Like uh, it was, it's mostly just like, you know, talking heads, but the subject matter itself, and there's a twist in it. That makes it really like, whoa, like I, I, I don't want to get into it because this one's one you can actually spoil part of it, though. So um, but really good stuff. It's only like an hour and 15 minutes long, so it's definitely worth checking out. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm constantly flipping back and forth now to GarageBand to make sure that it's fucking recording. Uh, <laughs> that son of a bitch. Yeah. Um, then uh, I watched uh, Humphrey Bogart. God, we met. We lost the Humphrey Bogart and Gina Gershon. <laughs> Fuck it. Gary Busey. So the Kane Mutiny. Yeah. Uh, later on in Bogey's career. Um, and he was pretty old during this, wasn't he? Yes, he was. It was Did he have buggy whip arms? He had very buggy whip arms and a giant head. Oh, he looked like <laughs> a woodchuck. A giant totem. Cut out of wood. It would be weird if him and Gary Busey had sex together. Or if him and Gary Busey and Gina Gershon had sex together. And then Freddie throw in Mercury, Freddie Mercury. While Freddie Mercury was filming it onto the side. Uh, so, uh, yeah, the King Brutal. <laughs> this is... Uh, well, Fred McMurray directed it. Fred- holding his pipe. <laughs> no, Fred McMurray was in it. 
and my three sons, and he was nice, and, and he was a dick in the movie, and he always played dicks in movies, yada and, yada, and Jose Ferrer, and blah blah. And uh, I had trouble um, disliking because of uh, I, re- you know, I really like Humphrey Bogart. I had trouble mm-hmm. disliking him in this. Um. It, it 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 went on long enough to where I was like, you know, you got on the side of the guys like seeing the the breakdown of this captain, and you're finally like, all right, get this motherfucker out of there. But um, at first, it was like, you know, oh, it's Bogey. Look at his big head, and I like him. And you know, what do these guys have a problem with? And everything, you know. But um, the the movie was a little long. Um, you know, it's a little over two hours, and like I was saying, if they cut out the you know, if they cut out the stuff with the the young officer, or he wasn't even an officer, the the ensign or seaman or whatever they called him, seaman. And uh, nom, nom. if they just <laughs> slaw, if they just cut out the stuff with him, like talking about getting married and stuff with his ensign Pulver, and yeah, and his and his mom, like it, it could have been a short. That was um, um, Jack Lemon, wasn't it? Was no, I don't think so. Ensign Pulver. What? Was it? He must have been. He must have been like nineteen. It didn't look like him. He's kind of big and blonde. I don't know. Can Whatever. It's <laughs> <is> a shit. <laughs> um. Let's see. I watched uh, Watchmen: The Director's Cut. Who watches which one, the Watchmen? Which is your favorite Watchmen? <laughs> Who watches the Watchmen? I do. Waka Waka. Um, my favorite, you know, uh, blah, I don't know. I have to think about it. Blah, blah, Why don't blah. we say it's Night Owl since I get behind him the most? Uh, 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 what is it? Patrick Wilson. Patrick Wilson fucked uh, Kate Winslet and what's her name in this movie. But she was also in that movie with. Rorschach, where he played the pedophile who went to the swimming pool, moving right along. That's right, and we couldn't remember the name of that. But what I was going to say that I actually realized I missed last time, um, the movie he was in where he was a pedophile, my wife and I joke about it all the time because the scene in it where I guess Patrick Wilson walks up to him and Mm -hmm. he's in a swing. And you, oh, just, yeah? you just hear like jingle, 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 jingle because he's jerking off and his belt buckle is kind of. Yeah, I remember that. So we fucking we fucking make that. We joke about that jingle, jingle all the time. <laughs> Every time you see a little kid walking down the street. <laughs> yes, I jingle my belt buckle. Um, <laughs> and then, um, yeah, I'd never seen the director's cut of Watchmen. I bought the Blu-ray pretty much the day it came out. And uh, yeah, mm. finally sat down and watched all three hours and six minutes of it. So I, I, and I, I'm still a big fan. So, uh, and then I watched the Ipcris file, a Harry Palmer, ha ha, Harry Palmer, Har. <laughs> Harry Palmer. I Good. watched, uh, that was my first, uh, Harry Palmer film. Oh, um, what? Yeah. Good shit. Uh, my mm-hmm. cocaine. I think I said that too. And, Arr. um, yeah. And, uh, I only take my glasses off in bed. Let me hear, let me take your glasses off. What? And, Oh, that was a line from the movie. He's like, she's like, oh. you take your glasses off, and he's like, only in bed. And then she reaches up and pulls his glasses off. Oh, oh. Ah, see what they did there. Um, this is a good movie. Um, it's uh, kind. Of, it's not as like uh, dense as maybe like a a a you know that, but it's probably like more dense than like a James Bond than Michael Fassbender's <laughs> penis. Yes, the penis. Nothing's more dense than that. Good lord. 
so that was it for me. Like I said, low energy week, and um, maybe I'll get back to it next week. And yay, it recorded this time. Yay! So let's take a break. We just don't. Oh, okay. We just got. We just took a slaw break, and ooh, uh, ooh. let's come back and do what's, not, what's supplements. Let's do Leather Boys first. Yeah, yeah, Leather Boys. Uh, we'll be right back. <laughs> redden, redden. No one would have believed in the first years of the 21st century that Hammer films were being watched from an entertainment standpoint. No one could have dreamed that Amicus films were being scrutinized as someone with a microscope studies creatures that swarm and multiply in a drop of water. Few men even considered the possibility that this area of film still had anything to offer. And yet, across the gulf of space, minds immeasurably superior to our own regarded this podcast with envious eyes. And slowly and surely, they drew their plans against it. The Hamacus Podcast. Hammer and Amicus, and every tenuous link in between. Hamacus.com and iTunes. Cheers. Someone to love. As I'm as I'm on fucking the dating website as, as <laughs> and a fifty eight year old woman emailed me. Yeah. But you know, here's how I here's how I think about it, people, okay? I try to look at the bright side of life and okay, if I was twelve and and a girl that was like uh, old, you know, twelve years older than me you know, it was really hot then and I was twelve and she was like twenty four, I'd be like, Fuck yeah. So you kind of have to look at it that way. Yeah. 58's not that old, right? <laughs> it's almost senior citizen. What? Um, so our first film of the afternoon, evening, or morning, whenever you're listening. Uh, the Leather Boys from 1964, directed by Sidney J. Fury, who I've just realized directed the Ipcrest file also. I can't uh, believe that they fucking have Samuel Jackson playing him now. Do they really? Sidney J. Fury. What? Agent of S.H.I.E.L.D. No. (laughs) (laughs) Comic book geekdom going over the head of the loaf. Yes, indeed. You're like, it's two o'clock, fuckhead. Quit quit interrupting. (laughs) (laughs) I got to fucking work in a minute. Um, I really, you know, I didn't mention it, but because uh, we recorded it twice, but I really liked the, like the, the camera work and stuff in the Ipcrest file and, you could kind of see um, 
some similarities, I guess, in the way it, it was a, it was not quite as like like harsh of angles and stuff as the Ipcrest file, but Leather Boys had some really good, uh, at least in parts, cinema, cinematography. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, so Sidney Fury had a good a good eye. It seems um, he's an interesting director. Directed uh, what else did he direct? Um, Iron Eagles one through four. <laughs> he did what? like four movies with the word boys in the title. Is that the one with Lewis? Oh my god! <laughs> um, he had a pretty long career. He did. Jesus Christ! I think I guess he's still going. He directed something called. Conduct he directed VIP with Pamela Anderson TV show. Uh, Ladybugs. That's another classic. So yeah, Leather Boys from 1964. This is obviously an earlier one for him. Yeah. Um, an immature teenager marries a young biker, but becomes disenchanted with the realities of working class marriage and her husband's relationship with his best friend. So Zom is going to take the lead here, sir. What did you think of this movie? Um. Well, in a world where leather boys ride their cafe racer motorcycles up and down the strip and go on long runs in their tight leather pants, while their buck tooth plain Jane girlfriend with her bee hair hive, hair, bee hair hive. Anyway, <laughs> the fucking um, hair was was so co- goddamn awful. It was, it was atrocious. It was terrible. It was if you know if her hair was a little fuller in the back, it would have been so much better. But her fucking mm-hmm. hair—it looked like she got a decent like updo, like big fluffy beehive type yeah, do, yeah, but then yeah. laid down on it for three hours. She yeah. looks to me like if if you looked at her and you went and you just she was sitting on the couch and you were sitting there reading the paper and you just looked over and her and went ding 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 she'd go <laughs> lobster <laughs> and you go Rock lobster but anyway okay Rita let's get into Tushingham huh? I said Rita Tushingham <laughs> Rita t- yeah Tushingham <laughs> I get the tushy um, so anyway uh, let's get down to business with this okay you got Dot who is the chick with the with the uh, you know the hairstyle was pretty much you know for the, the of those you know the times. I'm pretty sure both our moms had it at one time. Yes, my goddamn mom. I know she did. Um, <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and, and then you have Re- okay, her and uh, Reggie or Reg are um, you know their boyfriend and girlfriend, and and at the beginning, you know they're they're. They're, you know, lovey-dovey and all this shit. Even the, I mean, it's the relationship's <laughs> kind of funny because um, I don't think either one of them is like the sharpest tack in no. the drawer. No, no, no. Um, because it's like one of those relationships where she'll say something and like she'll say um, – I'd like to have some of those potato chips. And as they're walking, he'll be like, you would. You would want to have some of those potato chips. And then she'd say, I'd like to go get a cheeseburger. You would. You'd like to go get a cheeseburger, wouldn't you? What does that even mean? Yeah, I mean, it's just like (laughs) – I, I don't know, and and she's kind of like enamored with him, and he he you know looks over at her and smiling and everything while they're having this banter that really doesn't amount to anything. Just him kind of mocking everything she says, but you know she's like, "Oh, Reg, Reggie, I love you." Oh no 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 no, and we got getting and anyway, so um, they pretty much. Um, their mode of transportation is a triumph, and I, I think it's like it looks like because he said he wants to move up to like a seven fifty or something or six fifty. So this is a smaller bike, but um, now 
these days, um, I just saw a guy that I work with, somebody, I don't even know who it was. I just saw it out in, you know, in the parking lot. Uh, Triumph actually made a comeback, and they're making like the Bonnevilles and stuff that, that look just like the old bikes. It's real retro. And, um, but – uh, and even the helmets with the goggles, you know, on they hardly ever wear the goggles. They just put them up on the helmets. That's kind of coming back a little bit, or it was like a year or so ago. Yeah. Um, but they call those a lot of those bikes. They called them cafe racers because what it was was you know all the bikers would hang out at the cafe and you know <laughs> almost like a bar or a, a and I think these places were. It's weird because in. Like Great Britain or whatever, you could you would go into a place that would be like just a uh, a a uh, diner like for us, mm-hmm. and but in there you might get an ice cream cone, but then you'd say, "Hey, can I have a shot of scotch too, or or a, a Guinness right, right. or a beer or something?" So anyway, they all hang out there, and there's this big group. It 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 sort of in some ways reminded me of um, Quadrophenia where they had the mods and the bikers, except in Quadrophenia you concentrated mostly on the mods who rode around on their Vespas. Um, and Ray Winstone was a friend of the guy who was in the mods that was the main guy in Quadrophenia, but he was a biker, a greaser or a biker. Well, these guys, you know, they all wear their biker gear. They all meet down there. They bring their girlfriends and everything. It's a big hangout. Which is kind of cool, you know. Yeah. That that's one thing about this movie um, that I mean, I really got into getting to see like they have the old Triumph motorcycles, the Nortons, and the BSAs and bikes like that. Uh, so if you're a motorcycle fucking buff, uh, you know this movie is something really to watch just for that. Yeah, um, and I really liked some of the um, like I was I mentioned the cinematography. I really liked the parts when they would show the guys actually riding. Yeah, um, I thought it was really well done. They, you know, the you could tell it was not like when it would show a guy riding. It really looked like he was riding like up yeah. close, and you know, you'd get some great road shots where the camera would kind of like, you know, the the motorcycles would speed by, and the camera would kind of slowly turn as they're speeding by, and as a really great group shot near the end when um the, when they're riding, all like the big group is coming yeah, out. The- and uh, there was a good shot where everybody's kind of like pouring out of this parking lot. And- well, I will say this. Uh, um, um, after I watched this, I definitely was out. I, it, it just gets your blood going and the weather's been really <laughs> nice. And I'm like, man, I'm going to get my bikes out and go ride. Yeah. So I did. But um, uh, so Dot and Reggie, like I said, they kind of have that little kind of picking at each other thing, which is which is good uh, when they're just dating because she's you know thinks he's the cat's meow and everything. But then they decide to get married, <laughs> <laughs> and it you know I guess it's they're both kind of Im- uh, they're both kind of immature, and like I said, they're not like really they're they're really um, working class. From a working class background or whatever, I mean, uh, you know, they're, they're middle class or whatever, um, and so they decide to get married, and you know, they're just starting out and kind of have their. Uh, she doesn't work at all, and he is the breadwinner, and I think at first, you know, it's a sign of the times. It's a time capsule where he expects that he's going to go do his job and then her job is to be his wife, which it means she is supposed to clean the house. She's supposed to go get the groceries, do all the shopping, come home, have dinner ready for him every day when he comes home from work and everything. Well, she's kind of like a sort of a spoiled 
girl. Mm-hmm. Not that they were rich or anything, but you know, she. I don't think that's her. What she envisioned, she, I think her. She envisioned her life being like Peg Bundy, sitting around with you know, uh, eating bonbons and whatever. <laughs> and um, I like the. Uh, there was one um, part later on where the guy, this one guy, goes to the to the other guy. Let's go to America. He goes. They have thirteen channels on the television over there. You know, on the telly. <laughs> so anyway. Um, they start having their, you know, and, and I think, I mean, I've had the same thing. I've never got married, but when I dated someone and you move in together, mm-hmm. when you're dating, it seems like everything is really cool. And then when you move in together and you're around each other like a lot more, there's going to be times where you get, in, get on each other's nerves and get in fights and stuff. So that starts happening there, and they kind of have a few dust-ups where – he comes home. He's like, I come home from work every day, and you'll sit here, and I'd like to have something to eat, not beans again. You know, she's out shopping, and uh, and she's basically just getting her fucking around. awful hair done. Yeah, you're getting her awful hair done. Get and you know, it's black. It's a black and white movie, but she goes from like I guess brown hair, and then she goes and gets it like either platinum or some kind of blonde or some lighter color, and uh, gets that real bushed up kind of helmet head uh she didn't even need a motorcycle helmet. yeah I, was like, I wonder if that i wonder her hair gave more protection than his helmet <laughs> she never wore a helmet except near the end <laughs> yeah and uh, <laughs> so they start getting into it and you know they they um i do i do want to uh, add in um mm-hmm. while i was watching this i was eating chili cheese fritos and when they started talking about the beans i really had a craving to for a bowl of baked beans with fritos sprinkled on the top <laughs> And then I, I swear to fucking God, how you come up with this shit and then fucking gag when I'm eating coleslaw. So anyway, this is cabbage. And, sl- and mayonnaise. The mayonnaise kills anything. No, it makes it better. Have you ever uh, sat there and just ate raw cabbage? Yes, with- I love raw cabbage. You know what else I like? I like uh, hey, hey, uh, like the southern, the southern style. You are, aren't you? Very gay. The, 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 <laughs> the southern style um, uh, barbecue slaw. I like that a lot, too. That'd be good. Just drench it, and get that barbecue. Or shot. just, or, or just like cabbage and vinegar. I like that too. What's wrong with you? God, <laughs> freak. Anyway, <laughs> we're gonna be like the Hollywood saloon. <laughs> I'm never talking to you again. Over slaw. <laughs> Over slaw. You talk about my slaw. Look, every time I come on this fucking podcast, you make fun of what I eat. Anyway, so you get a lot of. I don't know. Is, is that is that a Cockney accent? Yeah, it sounds like it. it I imagine know, it is since the we're guy, talking about cocks this week. The guy that got Cockney accent. The guy that plays Pete <laughs> is actually in a film for, that's not released yet called uh, Cockneys versus Zombies. Nice, yeah, nice. Yeah. Well, so anyway, they they go and they hang out at the um, at the the cafe with all the other bikers and everything, and it's pretty cool because everybody, even though everybody has their motorcycle gear on, a lot that you they have their like. Little subtle things to that you know uh, to set them apart. Like uh, um, Reggie, the back of his jacket says "Dodgy" across the back, th- and has a thumb down. Yeah, and then <laughs> then um, uh, there's a couple of uh, like the one guy has it almost looks like a, uh, a bomber uh, World War II bomber jacket with the like the the, the sheepskin on the inside and the collar and everything. Mm-hmm. And so anyway. Um, they're hanging out, and um, he meets uh, – Reggie meets this guy, Pete. And Pete, for the most part, I mean, the guy is just – I thought it was just a great guy. I mean, you know, it, it, um, 
And you can see where – I mean like everybody likes him. He's always just kind of like joking around. He It doesn't seem like he ever really gets like mad or anything. Everything's like water off a duck's back and you know when life gives you lemons, make lemonade and mm-hmm. he's always got a quip or something. And so when Reggie and Dot start fighting, well then you know he starts hanging out with Pete and Pete is like a um, – Almost like a positive thing, whereas every time he's around Dot since they got married and he has to be around her, he sees all her flaws and she just grates on his nerves. Like a lot of the stuff that before he never really thought about because they weren't actually living together. Now that they're married and he has this expectation of what he wants his wife to be, it's just like uh, nails on a chalkboard every time he comes home. And it was like nails on a chalkboard watching her too. Yes, oh my God! She, but I mean, this, this, the, the. I'd like to see this um, Rita Tushingham and some other stuff because uh, if she's not like this all the time, then she fucking played a really good. <laughs> but anyway, so he starts spending more time with Pete, um, and you know, because they have the bikes in common, and and like, and they, you know, they'll go and. When he's supposed to be going home, they'll go and get a bottle or go drink and stuff, and he'll come home late, and then she starts busting his balls and blah, 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 blah. Well, then um, where when they were just dating, this is another common thing with you know anybody that's dating or whatever, and you have to sneak away to screw, and you're young, and you're in their, you know, either your mom and dad's house or her mom and dad's house, and you're, everything's like, you know, oh my God, you know, we have to try and do this and we might get caught and everything. Well, then when she's there all the time, he's just kind of like, you know, I'm working a full-time job now. I come home, I'm tired as hell. And she'll kind of climb on top of him and want to fuck. <laughs> and he's like, you know, I'm tired. You know, leave me alone. Well, then you kind of, well, the, it's left open to interpretation because you wonder if, okay, first of all, she's annoying. She's lazy. She's annoying. She got her hair done, which which this reminded me of, of a time with a girl that I went out with. A couple of different ones. I went out with one at one time, and she was like part like Native American, and she had this long black hair, which I really just – I was like, oh, my God. you know, I just loved her long black hair, long black hair. And then she came to school one day, and she had cut it almost – she cut it all off, uh-huh. and I broke up with her. <laughs> <laughs> and then that's you know, but that was when I was little. I mean, I was like in like uh, junior high school or something like that. It's like not now, but anyway. And then I had another time where I dated this girl, and it was kind of got like the dot thing when we moved in. At first, it was kind of it was great, you know, because you could just do whatever you want to wherever you wanted her. And then you know, it kind of started slacking off. One day she came home and she had dyed her hair like blonde blonde i mean it was like auburn and then all of a sudden she comes home and it's blonde and it was like a, a a episode from all in the family where gloria bought a wig and when she bought the wig <laughs> mike wanted to fuck her all the time and then when she came to bed and she didn't have the wig on he'd be like why don't you put the wig on and she's like you don't love me you, you don't want to screw me you want to screw the wig because they look like somebody different so anyway that's kind of funny but so he gets tired of her but when i was saying what they leave sort of it's not left to interpretation because i mean i knew off now maybe if i watched this movie if i was like some innocent 
guy like I was when I was in high school or something, and I didn't really know that much about the world or anything. And I thought, okay, this is a motorcycle movie or whatever. I might not have put like two and two together, but I knew that the two movies that we were watch or, in, or reviewing this week had gay themes. Yeah. So I kind of knew that, and I knew where they were going with the Pete and Reggie thing uh, because when when you're watching it, okay, it's watch it, like watching what we've ha- what we have. You're expecting the guys to just like make out or fuck or something, and but it's a lot more subtle than that, right? Oh, it's very subtle. Now, of course, I watched this one first. I did too. I watched Quirrell. <laughs> okay, so. But I I um I think with the Reggie character, um, I think there's no doubt that he is heterosexual. Okay, right. uh, for for I mean, like if you would have to say it would be like ninety nine point nine percent, one you know almost one hundred percent. But then when but I think it's there's almost like a confusion. A subtle confusion with him because he does like hanging around with Pete, and Pete does when he's around him, he, he makes him feel. And Pete never overtly comes on or anything like that. And for the most part, like I said, if I didn't, if I wasn't a man of the world, you know, I would have just thought, you know, Pete's just a, a great guy, and he's like his mate, and his, yeah. you know, they just get along and everything. Because there's there's a few times where they'll go, hey, you know, let's try and pick up these girls and stuff. But then Pete's when it like, comes, yeah, you know, yeah, when it comes down to it, he's kind of like, hey, you know, those girls aren't that good looking or whatever. And he goes along with it. And then there was a few times where he would actually say, you know, I need to go, I need to go find a woman uh, and get laid or whatever. And you're like, okay, now wait a minute, is he? Is there just a little bit of an attraction, but he's really not? Well, it's probably just a lot harder to be outwardly homosexual, right? That but time. that's what it ends up coming down to yeah. is is um, it's kind of like a cover thing where he. I mean, do we want to say like go that far into? Oh, like what? Like is that the, giving anything? I mean, the boats. You mean? Is that what? Well, you mean, no, or? no, no. I mean, I'm just a uh, Pete is. What you think he is? Yeah, yeah. Well, that's no, not giving anything away, right? Okay. So anyway, he he he. Um, it's not like, and that's one thing I liked about the movie is it wasn't like it was uh, overtly like um, he's looking at Reggie and he's sitting there like you know I'm going to try and manipulate my right. way anyway. He's just being himself. I I never thought I never felt like he was like in any kind of conspiratorial way or malicious way or anything. He was just being himself. He was a great guy. He was a nice guy and everything. But he, he, of course, now he knew, I mean, from his perspective, he knows that he's gay. Mm -hmm. And he doesn't, I don't know if he was hoping that maybe Reggie might, uh, I don't know. But he, for, for all intent purposes, Reggie was with Dot. Reggie talks about Dot. Well, you know how she drives him crazy, and then he'll he'll you know about uh, about her, and they kind of meet up again and start kind of hitting it off again and everything. So he knows that, but I think it's almost like if you for a straight guy, uh-huh. if you have a girl that you're like best friends at work with or in school, and you 
if you had the chance, you would go out with her in a heartbeat because she's good looking, but she only thinks of you as a friend. But like I said, I don't think – and and you know that, okay, if I make a move, you know, it's going to – ruin it, yeah. It'll ruin it because – because, but then it gets to the point where it's almost like too much and you you're, you just get to the point where you're like, I have to fucking say something. I have to put it on the line. Blah, blah. And that's the same thing here. But it's just a different perspective because it's a guy and a guy. Right. Um, I like the subtleness of it all. I like the the friendship between Reggie and Pete, um, and I like the I like the relationship with Dot and Reggie because I mean, like I said, that's the part she's playing. She's supposed to be this kind of you know thick uh, dipshit uh, uh, girl and everything, and and um, it's like Pete is like. Or not Pete. Reggie is like pulled in these different directions because yeah. <clears throat> when they kind of have their breakup and she starts seeing this other dude, let me tell you something. He whips that guy's ass. <laughs> at first I was like, you know, okay, I wonder what's going to happen here. Man, he just, he pounced on that dude and pounded him. Mm-hmm. But uh, And then Pete, I think, kind of wanted to pounce on him and pound him. But anyway, and, then he had, <laughs> and, and, and this movie proved. That two men can sleep in a bed together, and you know, <laughs> yes. I no matter what you hear about horror hound, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I miss you. <laughs> anyway, so uh, basically, like what I was saying about, um, I think with Pete, uh, you—the only time that you see him. It, Act negative in any way at all to anybody because he's such a happy-go-lucky guy. It's almost like, you know, I'm walking on sunshine, you know, da 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 da. And he's just always laughing and joking and having it. Hey, you have a cigarette, you know, let's have a drink, let's go ride, let's do this and everything. Um, the only time he gets negative, and like I, I said, for just looking at it from a straight perspective, I've had the same thing uh, where you, you have that girl that's a friend, but you want it to be more, but she doesn't and then you go out together like you might go someplace and she starts talking to another guy (sighs) and even though you're not together it you you can't help yourself and you start showing that ugly jealous thing and it starts pissing her off it's the exact same thing because that's the only time you see pete act really negative is when he's dots out of the picture him and Reggie are going and just having a great time riding their motorcycles, getting drunk, shooting off fireworks, just being boys, you know. Yeah, yeah. And and then she kind of comes back and when she does, Reggie, there's that connection. And he just kind of snaps one time and he says, you know, why don't you fucking, you know, shove off or something like that, you know. And it's like, whoa, where'd that come from? But so anyway, and then he starts telling – he he's actually and I've had the same thing. I keep going back to this. Uh, with a girl, you know, you're you're just friends and you just are in love, but you can't say anything. But because it's like if it's a girl that you run around with all the time and you're like best buddies, yeah. It's almost like you're living your dream except one little thing that you're not you don't have the romance, but you spend so much time together that you're you're just almost like satisfied with that, sort of. But so anyway, that's how that's how Pete is with Reggie. And then when Dot comes back in the picture, he's like, you know, 
uh, you know, you need to let's go do this. Let's say you don't want to be with her. Let's you know, let's go have fun. You know everything. And um, Reggie never really gives him any indication that it's like. I mean, I don't think it, I might have missed. It. I mean, not really, except for the fact that he was there. And, right. You know, that was the only real indication and that he wanted to obviously like, you know, like the things he would say, like, uh, you know, I can talk to you a lot easier than her or. Yeah. 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 But I, th- but I think that, like I said, I think Pete is, is just hoping that it will, it will, it will grow into something because then he starts telling Reggie's like, you know, Hey, why don't we, um, how about this? You know, why don't we just fucking hop a boat and go to America? I heard they got 13 channels on the telly. And and it could have been, you know, maybe, maybe, uh, Pete saw something that we don't and that, you know, Reggie was just, you know, like trying over, like trying too hard to be straight. Right. Like, you know, like, like going after women, even though he was married or, you know, yeah, you know, being violent against a guy that hanging out with his wife and that kind of thing. Yeah, but I mean, you know, it's it's all your perspective. I yeah. mean, I'm sure Reggie's probably like, you know, fuck, I didn't mean it like that. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe he did, but um, maybe he was conflicted in some way. But I don't know. I think for me, oh, and I can only go from the perspective of being the straight guy. I mean, you know. You can have guys that you're best buddies with that you just – I mean, yeah. I know I know some of my friends that would it, – it's seemingly like they have a girlfriend or a wife, and but it's like they never want to spend time with them. They always want to go play softball or baseball or basketball or go to a football game with their buddies, go drinking and stuff like that. Or, or wrestle. Uh, yeah, but <laughs> it, it, when it comes down to it, I mean, re- really – I mean, yeah, there might be guys like Rick Santor that <laughs> all it would take would be a little shove. You know? But um, I think that it's almost like the girls are there and there's their place. But, you know, you can relate to your dudes or whatever. I don't know. But anyway, so uh, Pete is trying to talk Reggie into like, let's get the fuck out of here. Because if he can get her, get him, get her, get him away from Dot. And that whole mess and that drama, I think he thinks, okay, first, Reggie will be a lot more happy. Yeah. Uh, I won't have to have her come in and fuck things up. But I also think Pete's kind of the kind of guy that that even if nothing ever happened, I think that he would – he still just wanted – like I said, with the, with the girlfriend that he wanted – to he thought Dot was making Reggie miserable, and that she was a pain in the ass, and da 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 da, and they had a good time together, and she was just a drag. I think that in his in some ways he hoped that eventually they the two of them would get together, but I think that also he was a good guy, and I think that if it didn't, he would he could have been content to be friends, maybe, maybe. you know, and just be like best buddies. Yeah. But then again, if you have those feelings for somebody, it's fucking it's a it eventually it all goes to shit because I like I said, I've had that with a girl and and eventually you have to say something and it never you know then twenty years later when you're with somebody else or you're married and they're divorced and weigh like fifty or eighty pounds more, they come back and say, Oh my god, you were the one and you're like, Get the fuck out of my face. <laughs> <laughs> anyway <laughs> So uh, 
<laughs> come and hang out on my porch for six hours just because you saw me on Facebook. Um, no, anyway, uh, I but I don't want to go all the way to the end with this and and say what happens. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, um, I really like this one. I, I like I said, I, I like the motorcycles. I, I like that culture because um, you know, uh, living in America, you know, we're exposed to. As far as the motorcycle culture, like the Harley Davidsons and the and the outlaw motorcycle, Hell's Angels, stuff like that, and um, but seeing it's even like when we watch Stone, you see the the uh, the Australian motorcycle culture mm-hmm. and how it was over there, which is sort of similar, but you know a little bit different. Uh, but this is different because of you know, like I said, the cafe racers and stuff like that. I really thought that was cool as shit. Like you said, the the actual motorcycle riding scenes. The bikes, uh, getting to see all the different bikes from that era and everything and how the guys acted and how they all hung out. It made me wish. I was like, man, I wish there was a place, which there is. There's a place right down, you know, probably, you know, 12, 15 miles from here. And every Thursday night, all the all the guys, not just biker, like motorcycle. We have one, too. It's uh, like, it looks like a little shack with a huge gravel lot around it, and it's full of motorcycles like once a week. This is like a little uh, hot dog uh, restaurant, yeah. bar, hot dog place down in this little town, uh, right on the main street. And on Thursday night, there's so many motorcycles there. And it's not – we don't really hear – they used to have the pagan motorcycle gang, but they all went to fucking jail uh, for the most part uh, back in like the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's not like that. It's just people that ride. And you have all different kinds of – you'll have crotch rockets. You'll have cruisers and everything. And so you have that um, – but I really like this. I thought, like I said, uh, the, 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 I think the way that they act is – I don't want to say it's dated, but it's almost like you're seeing kind of like uh, how like Troy Donahue and, or Annette Funicello. Not quite that bad, but it's that, that – that, that, um, uh, the hair, the clothes – the way they talk and everything is sort of like from you – know, it's that early 60s yeah. mentality. There's not hippies or anything like that, and uh, that was kind of cool. And like I said, I mean I, I, I don't want to say – because I don't want to sound like a homophobic asshole any more than I uh, probably am. Right. Uh, <laughs> but um, <laughs> I did – you did – as being a, a straight guy, you, I, did, I didn't feel like uh, that weird – Tinge that weird threatening kind of tinge, like ooh, you know, uh, like. And I'm not saying Quirrell was like that. I mean, it's very in your face. Yeah, we'll yeah. talk about that here in a minute. <laughs> but, uh, the like I said, I mean, uh, I thought it was handled in a really good way, in a subtle way. They could have very easily had Pete, you know, have just like grab Reggie and plant a big kiss on him and, you know, just to see what happened, they get in a big fight or so. I expected something like that to happen, but then I kind of realized that isn't really what this movie is. Yeah. It's more subtle and it's more, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's kind of in some ways sort of almost like a kind of a, a touching kind of a thing because, you know, this guy really likes this guy. I mean, it's not like a, just like a, you know, let's go and let's go, go to the glory cult something yeah. and, you know, I, I liked I liked Pete a whole lot. I thought he was yeah. he was really good. Um, I was reading about that actor. His name's uh, Dudley That's, Sutton. And yeah. Was, yeah, they were saying that, on IMDb saying that you know his career kind of went into a decline in the '60s because of alcohol. But he did he came back in the Devils, which I totally forgot he was in. Yeah, that, the Devils. So. Yeah. Um, 
Yes, he. I, honest to God, I saw the box, the thing on IMDb. I clicked over and saw that, and I was like, "Hey, he was in Devils," but I didn't remember who it was. And as soon as you said that, I can, I know exactly who he was yeah, in that. But he's been in a lot of shit that, yeah. since then, so he really made a come. He's been a lot of TV and stuff like that, but um, I, I, you know, I, I thought he was, I thought he was really, really good. Um, I, did, <laughs> I said uh, that. Uh, the with dot chewing gum, eating chips, and chocolate in bed, just a fucking savage. <laughs> so, just like food everywhere. Oh, she was the worst. Now they said that this movie was um, it was one of the first movies that uh, ignored or went around or ignored the the um, the ratings code. But even though it did, they, it was still readily available and shown in America. Because I, to me, I think it was so subtle. I'm not saying that people wouldn't know what was going on because when it gets toward the end, I mean, it's pretty much straightforward and yeah. what's happening. But at that time, with drive-in movies and stuff like that, you know, they'd see biker, you know, leather boys, biker. Like I said, I know when I was in junior high or in grade school in junior high, uh, you have to think about the times. We did not know, and this every time I say this, people laugh. We did not know that the village people were gay. Right. We did not know Freddie Mercury was gay. We did not know Elton John was gay. Uh, on one day at a time, Valerie Bertinelli's character was in love with Elton John. She had his picture up on the wall. My uh, one of my good friends, a girl in high school. Uh, one of her dream crushes was Freddie Mercury. She thought he was so cute. She just wanted to date him and everything. No, it was a different time. Now, maybe if you were in the gay culture, or if you lived in, like, say, uh, the you know Haight Ashbury, or in San Francisco, or in New York, or a big city where there was a pop, it was probably still more covered up. But it wasn't out there, and it wasn't all over TV. So yeah. I can see that they probably you. I mean, like that there the movie with uh, Marlon Brando and uh, Robert Forrester was in it. Elizabeth Taylor, Reflections in the Golden Eye. I mean, that had. I mean, it didn't have gay undertones. It had Marlon Brando was gay, and he was married to Elizabeth Taylor, and wanted to, you know, he was fantasizing and was fascinated with Robert Forster, who was like, you know, it was like one of his first movies that he was ever in. He was real young, so I mean, that stuff was there. So you know, but like I said, this wasn't. I this wasn't like an exploitation movie. Or no, anything. no, no, no. You know, it's just a. It's a good. You know. Well done movie. Yeah, I, I and I, I liked it too. Um, I don't really have a whole lot to add besides that. I mean, like I like I was mentioning the you know besides being a a decent story, it's 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 well shot too. You know, I mean, I I, I liked the you know when you said it kind of made me want to go out and ride a motorcycle too. The you know the part where they him where Pete and uh, and Reggie are racing right near the beginning, and they're kind of like they would zoom out of the fog and stuff. Yeah. I thought that was really cool and. Um, now, did they say? I don't know if you would remember or not, but uh, when they went on the big run where they, it was like a contest, and they said they were going to ride. I mean, Jesus Christ! I've been caught in some shitty weather. <laughs> I've, I've, I, when I first started riding, I got caught in. I didn't realize, you know. They say wind chill. You know, okay. Say it's, you know, fifty degrees. It was like fifty some degrees out in the fall. And I rode 100 miles to my mom and dad's house. And when I came back, I got probably three-quarters of the way back and the sun started going down. 
So it dropped from like 52 down to <laughs> probably 40. And then when the wind's blowing on you, that takes another like 10 to 12 degrees off. Oof. So it was like 30 something. And I mean, I, you can get hypothermia. Yeah. And, uh, it I had to so, be fucking cold because they were breathing. It was snowing. Yeah. It was snowing at one part. Like they must have been freezing driving up to Edinburgh. Yeah. That's so. in uh, Ireland. <laughs> up to Ireland, yeah. <laughs> they went, yeah. But, yeah. but one thing about that is I thought they said, like, it was an eight. They didn't say it was an 800 mile, maybe round trip. Maybe it was. 800 but that's miles. a long fucking way, man. Were they, they were in London, I assume, right? Yeah. I don't know how far that, maybe it could, I don't, it's not that goddamn, it's the whole goddamn. English island. I don't know how fucking long it is. But anyway, I just know those long trips, man. 404 oh. miles. Fuck a I duck. I just looked it up. So so they, they, it's like a round trip. They went down and came back. It was 800 miles total. And I'm telling you, like I just said, riding 100 miles to my mom and dad's, getting off and then riding back, it's it's an endurance test for sure because it, uh, when I get off the bike, I, you can't even hardly stand up. You know, it's <laughs> yeah. just, you're so stiff and – yeah. But anyway. Well, we can get into our ratings. I'd rate this a, a, an eight if it didn't have all the gay stuff. No. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I really like this. Um, and like I said, the only thing that was bad was, was Dot, the way she – just her, the way yeah. she looked. She was annoying. But that's what she was supposed to be. I would give it a – I hate to go right with the IMDb thing, but I think a seven is is good. <laughs> I'm right there too. Uh, yeah. I, I guess like I like a seven, six point seven five to seven for me. Um, you know, it's 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 some of it I was just okay with, like <laughs> uh, you know the part where they're on their honeymoon and stuff, and you know. But and I, w- one thing I wish is that the the relationship between Pete and Reggie was a little more. A little more scandalous than it was. Mm-hmm. You um, wanted more gayness. I wanted more gay sex this week. <laughs> um, no, I just I, – I wish that it wasn't so vague. Um, and I understand it was probably just by the time it was made. If this was made in the 70s, it would have been a different movie. Well, I think it almost had to be because um, if Reggie wouldn't have been so – you know, walking that fine he, – he wasn't walking right on the line like a fine line. He was walking well on the other side. Yeah. Or not on the other side of the gay side. but No, walking, I know. Well, you know, far enough – because I think that he had to be that way because he would – I mean, first of all, you had the, the culture. Like people – because as soon as – there's one scene where Dot – she's just pissed off. And she uh, comes over and is just going off. Her and Reggie get in a fight and they're going off and Pete's there. And she gets mad. And, of course, you know, you just say so. And she goes, I don't know what you're talking about. You look like two queers to me. You look like a couple of queers, yeah. And as soon as she said that, you got this reaction, first of all, from Reggie, like, what? And then I think – he, I don't re- think he ever even thought about that. And then when when she said that, I think he actually – did you get the impression that he – that's the first time that he thought, holy shit <laughs> – or no, not holy shit, but for, I think it, it's that male macho thing. Right. Like if anybody calls you um, – even insinuates that you might be a homosexual or something like that, that, that you you just totally fucking hulk up or whatever. No, I'm not. You know? <laughs> but, um, 
but also I think the after effect of that was he started maybe kind of the fog started lifting a little bit I th- as far as, as Pete goes. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so, but I think he might have been okay with it, but was just afraid to be okay with it. Yeah, maybe, you yeah. know. Yeah, and like that, that when she called him out, he's like, "Shit, people actually see it." Like, maybe, yeah, you know, she may she might be right. I need to be manly and like better stop hanging out with this dude, you know. Yeah, so I don't know, but whatever. Left up, left up to question. So, but I, but like I said, I think that's just the story. I think that it yeah. had to be because if if it, the only thing that I could say was if if as far as the scandalous part was okay, he still acted the same way to Reggie as he does through the whole movie. But when they're not together, maybe they cut to a scene where he was with those other gay guys, and mm-hmm. you know, and they show what he his real life is, and you know, this is who he is. Because I just think if if they would have, I don't know, I I, I just liked it the way it was. I, I didn't I didn't really want to see the like almost like the then Brokeback Mountain where they uh, when they. F- first do something you know they they start fighting and punching each other and all this and that like or you know, well, i don't want to go to querel yet we'll be talking about that <laughs> more so anyway punches. that's yeah, yeah just going to hug each other and start punching each other in the stomach um, anyway but yeah i i like this movie like and if this too. was something this is one i i agree with you though there were parts but you know what's funny is I forgot about that part until you just said it when they went on their honeymoon i just thought it was funny because you know when they were just dating, it like I said, it was so you know like a, such a novelty or whatever to right. to have sex or to screw. Whatever. So then, when they go on their honeymoon, all he wants to do is stay in the room and just screw and screw. he's the fast bender in shame. He just wants to stay in the room and screw and screw and screw. And she's like, "We came all the way to fucking to this place." And rented this place. We could have just stayed at home. You know, all you want to do is stay. And she's like, let's go do something. He goes, let's stay in bed. Well, I want to go see the show. Yeah, you would want to go see this. You know, he (laughs) just starts that shit again. It's like, dude, you know, you you could like go do something. Fuck, go have some fun. I just want to stay in and fuck my beehive, buck tooth, chewing gum. Whatever. I think he might have been gay. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, two sevens. Uh, let's take a break and come back and review <laughs> Querel. It's a long time in the making. Uh, we'll, we'll be right back. This is a great jump film from the Girls on Film Radio. Are you tired of all those vegetarian or vegan podcasts? We just listened to what the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema had to say about the Girls on Film Radio. A lot of good meat in there. There's a lot of good meat in there uh, that the girls talk about. You guys got a lot of nice meat over there at the podcast. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Right. So there you have it. The meaty film discussion by meaty women. Listen to Girls on Film Radio. Girlsonfilm.podomatic.com Does it? 
Back from break. You love it, don't you? Oh. <laughs> Ooh, I have a granola bar in my pocket. <laughs> Whoa! Oh shit! Are you just happy on it? It just fucking melted. Gross. Like poop coming out of his butt. Alrighty, yeah. we're gonna do a little Franco Nero film now. <laughs> uh. Called Querel from 1982. Franco. Franco Nero. Like you've never seen him before. It's true. I've In the controversial Fassbender epic Querel. <laughs> 1982. Yeah. A French sailor, Querel, arrives in Brest. And starts frequenting a strange whorehouse. He discovers that his brother Robert is the lover of the lady owner, Lysane. Here you can play dice with Nono, Lysane's husband. If you win, you're allowed to make love to Lysane. If you lose, you have to make love with Nono. Querelle loses. On purpose. <laughs> yeah. I gotta say. What? You're turned on right now? <laughs> <laughs> A little bit. If the choice was no no in that that wrinkled up old bag, I might go no no also. No <laughs> no was nice. I mean what? So you look like Rocky Johnson as we pointed out already. <laughs> throw a drop kick. <laughs> the atomic drop. <laughs> he could throw a drop kick and a huge dong in your butthole. <laughs> driver. What? Oh, the fucking the pile driver. <laughs> All right. Anyway, let's be let's be mature about this. Fuck. <laughs> uh, odd, wonderful movie. <laughs> so, yeah. I posted this early in the week. Sorry, I'm just chomping right here in the mic. Ah, who cares? Um. I posted the picture of the poster from this film. Now, it has the it's a you know an illustration of Brad Davis leaning against this giant stone dick, and I thought it was just kind of like a you know symbolic type thing. No, they're actually all throughout the movie. This yeah. um, this seems like it was a stage play. <clears throat> I I've not read enough to know. Um. Hmm. Nom, nom, nom. Are you thinking about no no? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm eating that chocolate undercarriage of this bar. <laughs> ATM. Was that racist? Um Whoa. I was thinking when you said chocolate, I wasn't thinking about race. I was thinking about poop. That's what I was asking. Um, <sighs> All right, enough of that. My first skin sore. <laughs> because of the voice, right? <sighs> So, the, the, 
All right, go ahead. Let's get let's get down to it. It's three o'clock. God damn it! The set of this movie is pretty fantastic. Mm-hmm. It takes place largely in just the alleys around and underneath this very bizarre whorehouse in Brest, France, that has um, these giant. I, I would love it if these actually really existed, but these giant, like, I guess, dick and ball sculptures all over the place. Um, it seems like the only breasts in breasts were belong to that old bag. Yeah, and it's it's true, and it's like the way. Well, well, I'll talk about Fassbender first. Uh, Rainier Werner Fassbender. I've never seen anything by him. You were talking about something you had seen. The American Soldier. Yeah. Interesting guy. I did, unlike no, where, where I didn't read about the movie, I did read about this guy. Mm-hmm. And to be, you know, for as short of a career as he had, he had some some major output. Um, this guy was a workaholic. He not only directed, he was also a cinematographer. He was a writer. I mean, he was doing then it seems like what Soderbergh's doing now just releasing movie after movie after movie just trying to get it, get it out you know mm-hmm. hopefully Soderbergh is not you know drinking and fucking himself into oblivion like Fassbender did so or if he was, is he's doing it with Gina Carano <laughs> yeah so this was um Fassbender's last movie he was found shortly after the release of this uh dead of a heart attack or something due to drugs uh with his last script next to him in bed um he was married to a woman, but openly homosexual. Um, probably, who knows if he, he? I mean, that that screams abusive relationship. But uh, mm. maybe I don't know. But, Some of those broads are like that. Look, yeah. Liza Minnelli. You know, he. Um, they are hags. <laughs> uh, you know, interesting guy. God but, damn! I just fucking have to piss so bad right now. <laughs> Go ahead. Keep, go ahead. Just, go ahead. I'll fill in. I'll fill in the air. Um, okay. Keep keep talking. Okay. So, um, so with Fastbender, this is uh, I, you know, I did read a little bit that he was probably this this film was probably in a way um, autobiographical. Um, it stars uh, Brad Davis, who. Um, was in uh, 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 you know the Turkish prison movie uh, Midnight Express, and um, back. I just I'm just talking about Brad Davis. Yeah, I bet you were. <laughs> <laughs> Brad Davis, you know from Midnight Express, Chariots of Fire, mm-hmm. and um, was it, he now was he before Dennis Condry or after <laughs> Brad Davis? Yeah, um, Midnight Express. The that was pre. Pre everything, Midnight Express okay. the movie was pre was pre. Um, anyway, and it also stars Franco Nero. As, yes. Now Franco Nero plays an interesting role in this movie because he's not he's not like a necessarily a driving force in the plot. He's kind of an observer who is mm-hmm. almost documenting Corel, who Brad Davis plays. He's almost documenting Corel's, uh, I guess, self destruction. Mm. On his little tape recorder, yeah, so and with a big piece of chalk. He's either. <laughs> yeah, I was like, I was getting ready to say that. I was like, Have you? Did you ever think you would see Franco Nero scrawling, "I need men with big cocks" on a wall? <laughs> yeah. Or st- sitting and talking to himself about a guy while rubbing his sun splashed penis. 
<laughs> Sun splashed. So he's sitting back and he's just like talking about Corel into his tape player and he's rubbing his dick and there's like just the perfect little beam of light just sh- illuminating his dick. So, um, so yeah, Franco Nero played a weird part in the movie and then there's only one woman in the movie. Um, and play and she's supposed to be, I guess, a sex symbol, but she's obviously aged a bit. Um, she's Way, married, yeah, yeah, yeah. She's married to Corel's brother, maybe. Was, that was a little confusing. And yeah, Corel, I think they were. Yeah, and well, no, actually, they were married, but it was confusing whether or not that was actually his brother. Um, at least to me. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. Yeah. Toward the yeah. I see. So, I know exactly what you're saying. Now. Yeah. Um, they seem to have almost a sexual relationship at times. Him and his brother, um, you know. And there's some things that happen in the film that are just confusing in general. Just like why certain like violent moments happen and stuff like that. Now, I had an idea of what this movie was going in. I didn't realize. Now, a lot of people are going to watch this and think it's a little pretentious. It's it's definitely an art house film. I thought it was going to be more exploitative than it is. And I guess in a way it is, but, <laughs> yeah. but it's it not, was to me. It's well, not, it's not sleazy no. though. It's like I mean, it's sleazy in a the sleaze in it is is done for a reason. It's not just done for titillation. Yeah, there's yeah. nothing sexy about any of the sex. There's well, I don't know. I guess it depends on. <laughs> I guess you it know, depends what? on your two taste. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I I will say I I yeah. It didn't. Um, didn't float my boat, but right. you know there might be somebody out there that you and know. I, I, I like fucking watching Rocco spit on fucking women, you know. <laughs> so I mean, you know. And speaking of spit, um, to each uh, <laughs> ooh, ooh, that one was a big nasty hawker. Oh god, it was gross. So the and that did, what I, another thing I, I read about was um, Fassbender's, uh, I guess, inclination towards what they call Brechtian alienation or distancing effect. Um, this is a a type of filmmaking where you alienate your viewer and everything is done in order to make it feel unnatural so that you are – he wanted you to feel uncomfortable while you're watching this. It worked. Um, it did. There's a lot of scenes where uh, the – like the ratio of the film would be slightly off. So people's faces would be kind of bent or <laughs> – like stretched out the the haze that's in the sky at all times like it it's it's either nighttime or it's like late afternoon where everybody's sweaty and like the sky is like orange but like very very much so like over the fa- over the top like it may be even done in post production but yeah you know it looked like it was like on like a sound stage or something like yeah. you said almost like a play uh it's a in, really uh, great set i thought it was yeah. great um and then and then everybody's very wooden in the movie and again, the you know it was done intentionally uh, to you know kind of make you be a, 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 a I guess critical uh, just a, an observer, not actually take part in the story. And as I, when you left, I was saying that you know I was reading that the, this film may have may have had certain uh, autobiographical elements in it from past. I thought you were going to say it had homosexual undertones. <laughs> this, it might have been gay. It's a little vague. <laughs> the um, uh, fast, you know, Fastbender destroying himself in real life maybe had some, you know, paralleled in in Quarrel. You know, the you have this lieutenant who's obsessed with him, just watching his every move, and then you know he 
you know, he goes around and telling everybody he's not gay, but then puts himself in these situations where he just gets obliterated or, you know, he, um, he, no, I was confused why he murdered this one guy. That I was, that's before we came back on there. That's the one thing, um, that, that one sailor, I was like, what? the fuck you know so he murders a guy it looked pretty good when he he like he starts carving the guy's chest and you see like the blood pumping out of his neck but but you know i've seen other i I can't put my finger on what movies or what movie that this was in but i've seen other movies maybe it was um i think it was papillon with steve mcqueen and dustin hoffman Mm -hmm. where a gay uh um they're in the prison hospital with the penal colony and this one guy is a is an um uh, like a real butch uh you know gay guy in the prison that's a prisoner and he's the kind of guy that would go and abuse like the good looking younger guys cuz he's big and burly and he does the thing with the switchblade where he like he he put the switchblade like down by his penis and flipped it open mm-hmm. so it'd be like almost like a uh, a like uh, his uh, not a takeoff, but uh, uh, like a, his erect penis. But then in this movie, there were several times too where they would use the switchblade almost like their like a phallic symbol. Yeah, yeah like a phallic symbol of uh, stabbing and penetrating, or not even okay. Now he killed the one guy like that, but then there was other times where the guy, a guy, would be doing getting ready to have sex or something, pull out a switchblade and just flip it open, and then just like and drop it on, on the, the ground. ground. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it must have been like like you said, like a. I knew it was like a phallic thing, but um, I don't know. I just don't. I don't know. It's yeah, kind of weird. Now you know. You know. Obviously, we're joking about this movie being subtle. I mean, you know, even the. The main policeman that you see in the film, his uniform is a black leather hat that says police on it and a black sleeveless vest, leather vest. But, but only when he was – I thought that was that was like the whole time, but only when he was in that bar because when he eventually starts actually having to do his actual job as a policeman and he's interrogating the people about a murder, he looks like – like a East German or something. Oh, with a, with a trench coat. Yeah, the trench coat. So he wasn't. That was. I think that was just his garb. His almost like a uh, yeah, his leather getup deal. The whorehouse or whatever. Uh, do you remember the name uh, of, the, of the whorehouse? I showed the name a few times. I can't remember, but I can't remember. The, Levon Helm died. Uh, I don't know if you're familiar with him. The uh-uh. from the uh, he played uh, Loretta Lynn's dad or sissy spacek's dad loretta lynn's dad and coal miner's daughter and he was the drummer in the band the band the which band. sang uh the night they drove old dixie down and the weight and uh-huh. a bunch of other songs they were bob dylan's backup band to start with robbie oh. robinson and all that so he passed away at 71 so that's sad and he also played in the mark Wahlberg classic shooter and he was the old sniper that mark Wahlberg has to go to to find out who the bad guy is so i just want to throw that in because it just came up and i was a big fan of his the and i know um, tim uh, merrill was too the now this is gonna sound totally wrong but don't say it I don't this, you say it i thought this film was gonna lose me until you get the scene until we get to the scene that we described where Corel loses the dice, the dice game on purpose to get fucked by Nono. <laughs> and I was like, Oh, okay. 
So but before, when when it, when you didn't think it was going to happen, you started to lose interest. But then when that happened, you were like, yes. Well, it's this is a dense film. It's not like I said. It's an art house film. This isn't something you just no go no. Into. It was a dense. Person. He was a dense individual. His figure, he was very... Uh, he was a thick man. Very thick. Um, so, yeah, Corel loses the game on purpose. And, um, and, and you know what? Corel wasn't a size queen. He didn't care. He didn't care. You know, you always think, you know, when you're a guy, you're like, you know, I got, I got to, you know, do, do I have a big dick? Or, yes, I have a big dick. Or, does my dick this there? And, you know, apparently... He, he didn't give a shit. He didn't give a shit. He was a honey badger. <laughs> so uh, I like it when uh, uh, they're laying out the rules, I guess, of after he loses the game. And, and Brad Davis is just saying, like, I'm just going to give my ass. That's all. And Nona's like, that's all right. That's all there is to you. it. I'm not, not uh, he's like, the mouth. Brad Davis is I'm, everything, like you said, was so wooden. And I'm mm-hmm. not talking about Nono's penis. But it's like, I won't kiss you on the mouth. That's understood. Yeah, and it's. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I, I you know, uh, evidently it's done on purpose just to keep you distanced and uncomfortable. Can you imagine if you were an actor and you signed up for this, <laughs> and he's like, "Okay, I want you to say this line like, no, no, I'm going to come over there and you can fuck me in the ass." That's understood. It's so fucking weird. It's I mean, natural. And until you said that he did that shit to make it like uncomfortable, I mean, I just thought, I mean, I didn't think that these guys, because I've seen Brad Davis and I've seen Franco Nero and I know that they're not horrible actors, but I'm like, what the fuck? Yeah. What is up with yeah. this line delivery and everything? Um, but the <laughs> this had me actually exclaim out loud when, um, so when Rocky Johnson gets to fuck uh, Quirrell, mm-hmm. Ernie Lad. He lets a he he lets a big loogie dribble out of his mouth. A big like it was like looked yellow too. Apparently, like like right into right into Quarrel's asshole, and I just yelled. I was like, "Oh my god!" (laughs) It was. (laughs) I was shocked. I did not think I was going to see somebody getting spit, and it happens more than once. Well, but you know, the 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 second time is more like the uh, Brokeback Mountain, the (coughs) in that palm of the hand, palm (coughs) of the hand, yeah. But when you're seeing when Nono does it, he it's like one of those gag porno movies where they have the drool, a big line yeah. of drool, and he looked like he it either he smoked a lot or something. Maybe it was that yellow sky or that orange sky, but when it came out, maybe it's just the way I'm remembering it. It did not look clear. It looked like gross. He, he drank like a mango smoothie right before, like half, <laughs> like one of those half snot. Once uh, where you go and you yeah. suck the down your sinuses. Better, better. It's better lubrication that way. So, well, lasts, I mean, I'm telling you what. Longer. Now, Quirrell claimed he claimed that that was his first time. Now, do you think <laughs> he, was that true? Well, it, they never make that clear, and that maybe because that's if the whole... it was, he ought to be glad that No No had a big hawker in his mouth. Because I guarantee you, if he wouldn't have that big fucking big <laughs> He's fucker, tear him in half. Oh, damn right. <laughs> so, um, 
Yeah. The lighting sure in the would. buttfuck scene is pretty funny. It's, it gets very warm and kind of hazy. Wait, about what scene was that? The buttfuck scene. Okay. <laughs> um, like, Nono's jewelry on his hand is sparkling. It's like it's almost like a Barbara Walters haze on the... <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> on the camera, um, and you have to love the the uh, the the. Uh, I don't know if this was standard garb because I do believe that these these tank tops were also worn <laughs> sometimes in the movie Cruising with Al Pacino. And I like I was telling Loaf off air. I remember Freddie Mercury wearing these. It was almost. Uh, I don't remember. I don't really ever remember ever owning a tank top like this or seeing. A guy that was straight, unless maybe it was like a bodybuilder or something, but they they they're cut way too low in the front. Yeah, your tits hang out. Like you're almost yeah, it's almost like they're almost all the way down below your pectorals, and I I don't know. Yeah. So we uh, somebody brought up recently, I guess it was on the gentleman's guide Facebook group about. Uh, Vic Morrow punching guy his lover in the gut, and it happens again in this movie. Maybe that was a thing in the seventies and eighties for for what gay men that, to punch each other in the stomach. It was the the villain movie. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Um, Not Vic Morrow. Wasn't that? Oh, Vic. Vic no, that's an actual actor. actor. What was kill. his name? Vic. Uh, Vic Dre. Vic. Uh, what was his name? God damn it! Anyway, Dakin. Vic Dakin. Dakin. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Vic Morrow. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, Vic Morrow, like the stomach punching too. Um, but, but, but now that was his. Okay, now like I said, I know it was ambiguous, but at the time, now okay, do you think that Quirrell and his brother, who he was one hundred percent sure was his brother at the time, had they had an incestuous relationship? That's what I want. It was very vague, and like the the part where they're fighting in the alley. That, the, the movie almost lost me there, too. I was like, okay, this is getting a little douchey now. When he that starts, was like a fucking West Side story. Yeah, yeah he starts like saying, oh, like, oh. you're very beautiful, and the blah, 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 and the sunset. And, there, and, it, was like a, and there, it wasn't yeah. like a dance. It was a dance. Yeah, they were kind of choreographed. They're mirroring one another. With, they don't actually like slash the knives. They just like hold them up in the air, both at the same time, and then down, and they're dancing. It's kind of, it was, it was a little douchey, but yeah. um, it looked nice, at least. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I guess. So uh yeah so the the song comes in that you hear 18 times in the movie the each man kills the thing he loves each man kills the thing he loves yeah each just that fly, it's it is definitely like Marlena Dietrich uh in a bombed out World War II bar or something with this this uh kind of monotonish flat yeah, each man keeps the things he loves, and and she is definitely in like denial, for sure. Yes, because I mean, my God, it's like it was a shock that she found out that No No. No, wait a minute, was No No <laughs> her husband? No, the um the brother was. Right, that's what I thought. No No was just furniture, remember? <laughs> but why? What was the deal? Okay, no-no was just furniture. They said that several times. And I know that the brother was her husband. But then why would – why would – if I went to that bar and I wanted to fuck that old bag, 
Why would I go to Nono and say, hey, I want to fuck her and roll the dice when I could just go to her and say, you want to fuck? Was she in on that? Was she like, if you want to fuck me, you got to. Yeah, I think she was in on it. And she was kind of the she was the you know, she was the centerpiece of the bar. And, you know, it's probably not coincidence at all that Fassbender used kind of an unattractive older lady because as the only female presence in the entire film, you know, every guy in the movie, you got chiseled Franco Nero. You have Brad Davis, who's fucking just shredded in this movie. He's like, you know, he's always oiled up and yeah. you got big old no-no. Like everybody's like a attractive guy. A younger, attractive, and guy. the one cop guy he was in—I uh, recognize him. He was in Cross of Iron. He was the one that, when the uh, young, um, the young uh, soldier comes and is in the trenches with the guys, and he walks. He just walks over to this young guy who looks like he's like sixteen years old, and goes, "I'm Lily Marlene." <laughs> and like does the the kiss thing, and I'm like, "What the fuck was that?" But now I know. Yeah, now you know. So yeah, I mean every you know all the guys have nice physiques and they're all you know they're uh, they're glistening and they're attractive and then you have her who is obviously kind of falling apart and this yeah. is you know more evidence I guess that maybe Fassbender was in a, a relationship he didn't want to be in and that was kind of his critique on women in general maybe but um, you know she's well past her prime and there's an interesting part where uh, hang on my dog's about to pull my headphone cable out. Um, he got tangled up in the cable. Um, the uh, and by a dog I meant penis. The the there's a there's a, a quote of hers, or maybe it wasn't hers. There was a, there's weird narration a few times in the movie that kind of explaining what's going on, and then there's like other times where you just see like a title card with that kind of thing, or with quotes or something about Querelle. Um yeah, it was the narrator. He said her mind was clouded by the ext- extreme, precise, indescribable melting of those two muscular, sinewy bodies, and she tried to force the soft, dissolving mass of her own sumptuous body between them. <laughs> mm. um, you know, you know, she's she's presented as kind of just like blob as opposed to everybody else who's. Well, I, I, know, I mean, I don't know. I mean, everybody has their own thing, and everybody has a. Uh, there, there's there's no set standard answer to this question uh, because you know psychologically who knows what makes people what they are. Yeah, yeah. But I never understood like her like whether it's Liza Minnelli or this lady's character or Fassbender's wife. I mean, why would you marry if you're a straight woman? Marry nothing but gay men or you know, I mean, I guess, I, I, you know, they're they're they find them good companions, or you know, they're going to be yeah. They get they get something that they can't get from the straight men. Yeah, but it's in a major way, it's always going to be unfulfilling, or you know, yeah. It's never they're never it's never going to uh, you know. But I mean, that's just hey, that's just the uh, way human beings are. Everybody's different, and everybody's. You know, has their thing, so whatever. Um, do I hear an echo? Maybe not. The um, uh, I don't hear an echo. So I, I, I really like, like I said, the, the set. It Wait looks- a minute, my butthole was gaping. <laughs> okay, there we go. Do you hear it now? <laughs> <laughs> you put your underwear back on. The- He's making the things he loves. Da 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 da. 
<laughs> I'm telling you, that song. Okay, first of all, it was used in something else because I think I posted it on Paleo Cinema, oh. and it was when um, Jean um, Jean Moreau was very young and very good looking, and she was singing it in another film, of course, about a guy, and. Um, it's very fucking man. I'm telling you what, it's a catchy. Maybe it's because they played it so much, but it's fucking catchy. I sang that. I'm singing that fucking song all goddamn night long. It's been cute, ding I really, I really is like this taping. I think so. The uh, <laughs> yeah, it is. The um, I've been keeping an eye on it this time. Uh, and she was a good-looking fucking. She was a foxy fucking woman. When she was young, Jesus, I'm looking at pictures of her right now. Oh, yeah, yeah. Soaking in the bathtub. I wish I was in there with her watching Tom Cruise and Ghost Protocol. <laughs> the uh, I really like, like I said, I'm, I, the the set itself is is really fantastic looking. But um, Fassbender, you can tell he has an eye for cinematography as well. Just the way some things are shot are really nice. Like. Huh? Uh, a scene with uh, with Nero looking down through steps, or there's some really um, peculiar angles, like um, uh, Querel and, uh, and an alley talking to a guy, but you know the shot is from above with like pipes kind of breaking it up, and it pans back and forth. But um, you know there's a there's a scene where the you know the guys are scrubbing the deck of the ship, like, and I guess we didn't really make it clear this this is a port town, and this particular naval ship. It seems to take place, I guess, in the 40s, um, this film. Mm-hmm. God damn it, dog. Come here. Get the fuck over there, you fucking mutt. <laughs> he keeps squeaking this fucking toy. I can't get it from him. I got you it. You son of a bitch, you um, motherfucker. We haven't had that in a while on the show. <laughs> you motherfucker. We, I was thinking about this the other day. We we went through several things. We like That was a big thing. The dusty thing was a thing for a while. We've had different things, like, uh, and then we just abandoned them. And then I listened to him while I'm cutting grass. I'm like, oh, I remember that. You motherfucker. Let's bring it back. <laughs> cree, cree, motherfucker. Cree, cree, motherfucker um, <laughs> <laughs> off the rails it goes again <laughs> the uh but there's there's a really there's a really great shot scene where all the guys are cleaning the all the sailors are cleaning the deck of the ship and the there's some detectives there questioning nero on a on a murder mm-hmm. and the camera they're walking around the deck of the ship and the camera all, like rotates a full 360 degrees following them and like people are kind of and i always appreciate this in films when when Everything seems like feels like very well choreographed. Like you know, these guys they might I mean they might have well been just kind of told like do whatever you need to do. Maybe walk in front of the camera or whatever. But you know, eight and a half does it really well. Where you know, two people are having a conversation. The camera kind of rose following them, and then like all this stuff just happening back and forth. You know, around the characters, but you know, between them and the camera, and it's it's just it it make it's full of activity, and I just like that a lot. Um, mm-hmm. The uh, you know, and I, and I mentioned the keeping it almost surreal with the color and, you know, the rate, like the, like the, the slight bending of people's faces and stuff. I thought that was really well done, too. Um, See, keeping it surreal was like the 19. Let's see, when was this movie made? 82. 82. Keeping it surreal was the 1982 Fassbender version of Keeping It Real. 
<laughs> keeping it surreal. Yeah, I liked uh, uh, when keeping when keeping it real goes bad. That has nothing to do with that's Dave Chappelle, but still. <laughs> There was there was another funny narration line when he said when the the narrator said she still hoped that the sailor's cock would be smaller than Roberts. Yeah, you know, um, but you know, I, it wasn't though. Quirrell was hung apparently, wasn't he? She he had a nice stiff, um, uh, like athletic oh. cock or something. It's not taping. Isn't that fucking mutt? Sorry, you, I missed all of that. Pubic hair, massive pubes. Listen, this show has fucking gone on long enough. <laughs> you get that goddamn mutt and you fucking put it in the corner. Come on. Get up on the couch. Joe. Get the hell up there, up. you son of a bitch. Lay down. 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 Penis down. Good boy. Oh, God. Red rocket. Red rocket. <laughs> no, I meant my penis. Telling He's been key to teensy loves. Uh, and I'll just end with saying um, uh, you haven't even got a decent heart on. It doesn't stay up forever. Get yourself a rubber one. Yeah. So we'll get into your notes. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I was watching this, um, and I think it was because I was thinking of the movie Dogtown, uh-huh. uh, where was it Dogtown with uh, um, Lars Van Trier? Dogville. And, uh, Dogville. Dogville. Yes. Yeah, 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 there you go. The stage, how they had it. Okay, now that was so minimalistic. It was it was it was played out like a play, and it was so minimalistic that it just was taped off. Like the rooms mm-hmm. were taped off on the floor. Okay, now this the sets were more elaborate, but I still got the same stage kind of a thing. Yep. I still got the same odd feeling. Uh, like this isn't something natural, the way that these people are acting, the way these people are going. And then when I was reading about Fassbender uh, and how he was in real life and how with the press or anything, he was always like a provocateur. Like he would just say things that were controversial and he would have his – his lifestyle, his sexuality, his lifestyle right up out in front and throw it in people's faces, say things, uh, whether it was anti-Semitic things, homophobic things, and and just to spark controversy. And I thought Lars Van Trier, everything, this is like the exact same thing. Uh, He was kind of a, I don't know if he was an asshole. You know, I always when I think of Lars Van Trier, I think you know asshole because because of him doing that. But it seems like he had an assholeish side, which you wonder if it wasn't if it's not if it's just a a a way to get attention, a like way a, to get attention, put yourself or, in the, in the in or the an actual mean spiritedness or. Is it almost like a – well, the way to get attention thing. I was going to say like an Andy Kaufman kind of a thing, which is the same thing. Mm-hmm. But um, I thought this movie – it's very it's – a, it's a very artistic uh, – it's, it's an expression of, of, of something. It's different. It's uh, experimental, I think. Yeah. Um, I admire it for that. Um, I've never seen anything like it before. Yeah. Uh, the, um, I try and go, and I know, okay, we, you know, whether it's our Facebook page or it's our, you know, us on the show and stuff like that, we 
joke around about everything. We joke around about racism. We joke around about uh, homophobia. We joke around about this and that. But when we're reviewing a movie like this, of course, you know, right off the bat, uh, the first thing is, you know, oh, my God, you know, so-and-so picked these movies. And, you know, oh, my God, I wonder how Zom's going to react or I wonder, you know, what they're going to say or whatever. (laughs) And when I go into both of these movies, I still try and go into them, even though I know we're going to – there's going to be funny shit and we're going to say stupid shit and stuff like that. Um, I try and go into it with an open mind because I know that, you know, since I'm a straight guy, there's shit that I'm not going to get yeah. or that I'm not going to understand or that even though I try not to be homophobic in a mean way or a way that is to hurt somebody um, because I might not um, – my natural instinct isn't to see things that way because I'm not that way. Yeah. That I try and be very open-minded, try and look at it from that perspective or to try and understand it. And But this movie uh, – and I can't remember because we were taping and then we weren't taping and things <laughs> didn't tape. But I was saying that um, with Leather Boys – I could the, – the character of Pete who was this nice guy who was just a fun guy even though he was a homosexual, if you take that out of the picture and say, hey, you know, I'm not homosexual but you are. But, you know, he's a nice guy. I could see like being friends or friendly with him. Yeah. Now, there's so many people in this movie and the way that they're presented uh, – I hate to say it, but like I said, I mean, if I went into a bar like this and they were being that vulgar, and and this sounds stupid because people are going to say, "Well, Jesus Christ, you know, Zom, when you're fucking doing the show, you you guys talk about everything, spit <laughs> on your people's assholes and dicks and everything." We're reviewing a movie and we're doing it for comedy purposes. But if I was in that situation and these, you know, there's several guys over there and they're like, "I fucked him up the ass and I had shit on my dick when I pulled it out," and blah 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 blah. It would make me very uncomfortable, and and I think that um, just the, because of the crudeness of it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, but then in that same situation, I as I'm saying this, I'm thinking about you know my friends and I. If we're sitting around, <laughs> man, look at that girl's ass over there, boy, I'd like to smack her ass or do this or that. So you know that's that's what I'm saying. It's it's a really conflicted thing, but the way this is presented, it's uh it's really rough. Yeah, uh, with a lot of the dialogue as shocking. Um, I don't think, and I don't know, but I mean, I'm just, I, I was just going to say, I don't think that all people that are gay or homosexual sit around and talk like this when they're alone. No, uh, I don't. I, I think this is a, a a a blunt. This is almost like a blunt instrument. Well, um, it's hyperbolic. It's it's. I think it's very hyperbolic. Because, um, but then again, it's a horror house, and these people. I mean, that's. But even that, like, even working in my friend's bar or hanging out there and stuff like that, where, like I said, a good-looking girl comes in. You know, yeah, you might be like, you know, hey, check that. Out. Oh, yeah, boy, I'd like to get that or whatever. But we didn't stand around just constantly talking like that. All the time, uh, you know, we'd be talking about, yeah, hey, did you see the baseball game? Yeah, hey, well, how's your how's your mom and dad? You just you're a, you're a person. These people didn't seem like they were people. No, they no, were no. they were almost like uh, 
caricatures, and I know it was all a lot of it was done for shock value. Well, you and maybe they were maybe they were facets of Fassbender's like psyche or something. Yeah, like all, yeah. You know, his inner dialogue with him. You know, this being autobiographical. Um, it's almost like a. I don't know if I want to say like a a, a dream or not a fantasy, but it is, uh, it is very dreamlike. Yeah, yeah, uh, or, or like a hallucination or something. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Uh, but it, I think as far as it's hard to judge it on on the the performances because they are made to be so. Uh, like I said, I mean, it, it, this was based on a novel. About this, you know, sailor, and 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 I and I did hear that that um, the guy that I don't know if it wasn't the guy that wrote the novel because the novel's really super old. It's like from you know uh, 1947, well, 1947 novel. But I think that they were going to have somebody else direct it, and then they got him to direct it, and he the approach that he took was so out there that I believe that. Either the people involved or maybe the writer or something like that was kind of like, okay, what the fuck, you know? Um, <laughs> because I think that from what I read that the story is more um, – Fassbender said if they would have filmed it the way that it was – the story was written, it would just be like a police procedural procedural, yeah. and they're interviewing and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, and, I, I did read that. It said this is not a movie based on the book. It's a movie about the book. Yeah, he totally went away from a, a, the actual, like a story, the story that it was supposed to be, and everything, and it was just like, you know, something that like around it or something instead of just being it. And um, I admire the experimental nature of it, mm-hmm. and that he had the balls to do this and put it out there. Uh, because this is this to me is not a uh, th- this was never going to make money. Uh, it's never going to be a blockbuster. It was never. Now you know. I know they. they I mean, I think that they actually called it you know queer cinema or you know queer genre. And I hope if I'm saying that and it's that's not what I read that that's what somebody referred to it as. So I'm not saying it to be like you know a jerk or whatever. But um, so it's known. In that, as far as I know from what I read, you know, it's it's a the, this and Leather Boys are two, you know, from that genre of of cinema, gay cinema or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not for everybody. Definitely, no. there's people that would reject this before if you told them what it was, they wouldn't watch it even to start with. And I think if they started, if if you didn't tell them what it was and they started watching it, you know. Even without the gay um, stigma or overtones or whatever, uh, just the way the dialogue is delivered. Uh, now, I know you say you like the the uh, the set and everything, yeah. but that is if you look at it as it's not supposed to be realistic. It's surreal. Right. Yeah. But if I went into it watching it, you know, taking it as you know. This is a movie, and it's supposed to be about this this guy and that guy. And I look at the set, and I'm like, man, you know, this is like fucking. What is this? You know, <laughs> I, I'm sitting there like, what the fuck is this? And and you know, if it was 
I don't know. I, I, I hate. I don't know when I would say that I became mature enough to look at something with uh, a more mature eye or whatever, or yeah. try and be open-minded. But I know there was probably a time in my life where if I started watching this, I'd have been, "What the fuck is this?" Yeah, and I would, and I would have totally rejected it without looking at the artistic side of it. Or uh, and and like you just even from what you read you sitting here saying when you were talking about your review that um uh you know he said he wanted everything to be odd and make you feel uncomfortable the dialogue mm-hmm. they didn't deliver it they delivered it that way intentionally and everything okay if i didn't know that yeah. but you know i i it's just it's just a strange and odd movie it's not for everybody i don't know if i would say i enjoyed it it's one of those ones I can't say that I sat there and I was like, "Oh my God, this is, you know, this is just mind blowing and, and this and that." Um, it's almost like I feel this the the way about this that I did about like Rubber's Lover and uh, Tetsuo. Okay, it's um, it's interesting. I'm glad I watched it because it's different and it's it's uh, broadening your horizons and and uh, not just. You know, watching Mission Impossible, fucking whatever. I got that on my brain. Uh, there's a really hot girl in there. Um, but or, you know, I mean, we watch a lot of stuff, but this is this is really out there on the on the ragged edge, on the fringe yeah, yeah. Uh, for what I watch. And you know, so anyway, um, I don't. You've covered pretty much most of the, or you know, you covered, and then me jumping in and talking over you all the time. Uh, we've covered a lot of the the stuff like uh, the memorable and shocking stuff that you know for laughs and stuff like that. But uh, that's about all I have. I don't really have anything you know other than just talking about the movie as a whole than just specific scenes and stuff like that. I I was kind of, uh, I, I, I will say that, uh, and I don't think it gives anything away or anything, but, um, the character, um, of not, no, no, his brother, uh, Brad Davis's brother. Right. I don't remember his name. Yeah, it's he is actually he plays two characters in the movie. He oh. plays the brother of oh, Brad Davis. Robert is his brother. Yeah, Robert, and then he also there's a character that comes into play. Um, Quirrell, uh, he like when he lets No No do him, you know, mm-hmm. basically have anal sex, but no, no is the pitcher and he's the catcher or whatever. He's saying that when you do that, um, you do that for pleasure, but for, but so, but Corell in his mind for him to be the pitcher and somebody else be the catcher for him to give anal sex to another man he says you have to love that person to give to them or something yeah, which yeah. was kind of odd uh um because i you know whatever anyway <laughs> <laughs> anyway uh, but so that was kind of a that was kind of a strange thing and I, and and uh, like you said that's that's probably just a fast bender thing that's something of of his i don't know i don't know how much of what went on in this movie as far as dialogue with a lot of that stuff. I don't know how much of that is actually in the novel 
I don't, or if, yeah, I don't know either. Or if any of it is, I don't know. It's a, but, a, there's a quote from the movie, um, humility can only be born of humiliation. Otherwise, it is nothing but vanity. So I was, read, I was reading this, like some what people said about this, but they were saying that, you know, is Quarrel actually a film about a it's, – it's, is it actually a film about a narcissistic man's complete humiliation so that he can attain humility and, in effect, humanity? So, um, you know, Brad Davis is kind of – his character is kind of questioning his place – the entire film mm-hmm. and they really it, it, you know the subject of homosexuality is touched on but it's less like you know i'm gay if i'm with a guy and i'm not if i'm with a woman it's more like it's like i'm trying to think of how to explain it you know when you were saying like you know who you love who you you know associate with who you you know i you know kind of identify yourself through uh-huh. As opposed to like who you you know whose hole you want to put your penis in. <laughs> yeah, uh, uh, yeah, that goes to not fast bender but fast bender <laughs> and shame. Where you know it was just uh, that was that kind of is like a little bit of a parallel because he was so you know uh, I mean he was a sex addict yeah. but um, it was just sex 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 sex. It was like a like a, a drug a drug he was addicted to. Mm-hmm. Where and then when he actually met someone that gave him that humanity. But that's a totally different movie. But I mean, it's same sort of the same thing. Now, the character of well, for one, okay, one thing I wanted to clear up was there was a character that came along in the movie that uh, Quirrell kind of uh, gets involved with with something, mm-hmm. and um, I didn't realize this until I read it. But uh, he go he is going to have this guy rob somebody, and when he's making up his disguise, he says, you know, because he says, okay, well, I'm going to give you this gun. You go rob this guy and steal his money, and if he if you have to use the gun, you know, whatever. And so he's giving him a disguise, and he says, I'm going to give you a fake mustache, and he puts the mustache on the guy, and when he does, he has this strange look. Well. They had the sort of undertones or whatever you didn't know with him and his brother about like if he was in love with his brother because he would say, you know, if you if you saw my brother, you'd want to fuck him too or right. something like that. And you're like, what the fuck? And, and then like the, the, them fighting and hugging but punching each other and, and this and that. It's like a love-hate thing, but it's all – there's still like a sexual thing there, uh, which – this is one thing where I think maybe it was not – if there was – or if there had been any kind of an incestuous relationship, right. maybe it happened when they were kids or something a long time ago one time or maybe the brother molested him. I don't know uh, or something like that and then it, it was forgotten but there, that was still there and still hanging over his head and he was still confused about that. But when he puts the mustache on this other guy, he has this look. The guy, the other guy, is played by the same actor that plays his brother. When he puts his brother has a mustache, oh, yeah. so then when he puts the mustache on this guy who doesn't have a mustache, he looks just like the brother because, of course, it's the same actor, even though they made him look a little bit different. So then he's like, "Holy shit!" and he's attracted to this guy, and this guy's not his brother. <laughs> and then the next thing you know, he finds that he wants to give this guy 
he wants to be the giver and he the, which he says that means you have to love the guy and he starts having those emotional feelings for him yeah so he's like getting the best of both worlds he's going to get to screw his brother and let me tell you <laughs> did you see shame yes okay i thought i was i could have i mean i didn't know if it was going to happen or not but they were on the verge of fast bender and carry mulligan oh yeah Almost having that same kind of their brother and sister, yeah. but there was that thing, and he was like almost like fucking get away from me, you know. I, and thought, I really thought they were gonna fuck in that movie. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and jump on each other, and fucking, and this towel falls off, or she walks out naked, and he just stands there talk. He walks on her, and I, I thought, man, have I seen taboo fucking with Kay Parker too many times, or is this shit, you know? <laughs> but it's there. Yeah. You know, so anyway, there's an attraction, but and then you know, who knows? But this fucking movie is so goddamn all over the place and so weird. But it, 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 I'll tell you what, just us talking right now about it, it certainly is thought provoking. Yeah, you know, you, you know, but so anyway, but um, if nobody's seen it, yeah, I mean, if you can, you know, and I think for the most part, all of the people in our culture our cinema genre cinema culture and everything i mean everybody seems like you know they're really maybe it's because we do watch so much stuff from so many different countries and so many different cultures and and stuff like that that you know you become more open-minded because you see different things and and you know and um but i think you know if you haven't seen this uh, give it a shot. Watch it, like I said, and then you know, like Loaf and I are sitting here going on and on. Just this is a movie where, it, right at first, when I start watching, I was like, "Oh God, yeah." You know, what's I, this? It seems a little. It seems a little. Well, I mean, it might. It still might be of, of uh, like pretentious, right? Um, oh yeah, and I thought that too when I was watching, especially when it, it it kind of got. I don't know if it was in the middle or if it was getting toward the end or whatever. I actually was, of course, in the bathtub watching because I watch all of this <laughs> in the bathtub, and I was sitting there and I was like, there was a, a within a, a period of minutes, I was like, you know, this is kind of you know for an already already movie and everything, you know, it's different and everything, and within a, just a short period of time, I was like. Come on, you pretentious piece of shit. <laughs> Get to the fucking end. You know? But then, so it it really pulls you in different directions, stirs up a lot of emotions and thought a lot of gives you a lot of thought provoking stuff. So yeah. anyway, I mean it's you know, I re- I would recommend, you know, people give it a shot. It's just different and I, it's something that's really gonna you know, I don't think many people. I have. I don't. I've never really seen anything like it. It needs to be cleaned up. Um, the print is not great. What I've read, the DVDs, maybe even the VHS has a better print than this. The better <laughs> transfer. But um, well, mine was on beta. Oh well, yeah. That one's, that's that one's superior. So it's pretty good. <laughs> um, I don't know. It, this could be definitely. I mean, I don't. I don't think it'll ever be like Criterion or anything, but it it it, it deserves, I think, to be. You know what? But I would a little better treatment. I, uh, well, I think some of his stuff's already been on. Yeah, on Criterion, and I would think that this would be something that. that I don't know though, but I mean, I just I think that. Uh, I don't know. Well, we I don't get, know what the market would be for. Yeah. I mean, uh, who? <laughs> we, would, I mean, I don't know. It's just it's whatever. We can uh, we can get uh, into our scores here. Um, this 
could have been. There's just some things that were left. Like I said, a few times I kind of rolled my eyes, especially with the knife fight and like the first like 15 minutes of the movie where it seemed like maybe Fastbender was trying too hard. Um, but it's it's really great to look at. Um, it's a thought-provoking movie. It's I mean, it's harsh a couple times. I mean, there's the the violence not so much but the, you know the there's not really pull, punches pulled in this i'm surprised you didn't see any dick in it but it's kind of it's a pretty dark movie in my mind you did yeah <laughs> in my, in my, john's mind i saw dick the <laughs> <laughs> dick 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 um, how many dicks is that a lot so this is uh <laughs> But this is uh, that's my homage is, to Harvey Keitel sitting across from you at the uh, the uh, fucking. Uh, the, that's what you, you when you were at that show. You should have just walked over to his table and went dick dick yeah. dick 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 and see if he would have come up with how many dicks is that or no? Well, yeah. Well, uh, you know, this is worth seeing. Um, it's it's not it's not for everybody. So if you don't like arty cinema, you're probably gonna fucking like turn it off after 20 minutes. But. Um, this is, I liked it. Uh, I give it a 7.5 out of 10. Um, I might revisit this in the future, but like I said, I wish that somebody would take it and do a good restoration job on it because it, it looks like it could look really amazing with the, in the right hand. So I, um, it's like I said, it's one of those ones and this is maybe, I mean, everything, maybe he's getting everything out of me that, that he meant to, because like I said, I don't, I can't say that it was like a pleasure to watch this yeah. in in the normal definition of what I would normally define as, you know, this being this was a good movie or I enjoyed watching this. But in the fact that we're getting this kind of a discussion out of it and that uh you can look at it and kind of yeah, I mean, it's, it's it, almost like you're going to a museum and looking at at a uh, fucking uh, Jackson Pollock, and you know, some people might look at it and be like, "That's a piece of shit." But then, if you're standing there at, with a few people that admire art, and you start getting into discussion about it, and it's it's something that's unique and different, and pushes the envelope and pushes buttons and stuff like that. Uh, I was going to give it a six, but as I'm sitting here saying this, um, I'd go 6.5. I mean, it just because, and the reason I, I've said, I've given low scores before and said, but it's a good five or it's a good six. I don't know what this is. It's, uh, <laughs> I, I don't know. It's confusing. That's what, it's yeah. It's, it's just kind of left me whatever. Maybe gay. <laughs> maybe that's your maybe that's where your confusion's coming in, right? I think it turned me straight. <laughs> uh this big stone cock did nothing for you. So when Rocco is humiliating the women, <laughs> he's actually just trying to get them to humility. Yeah, he's going making them more human. I'll use that line. Okay, one thing I was going to ask you and I know we got to get off here cuz you got to go to work and shit you're probably going to be late tomorrow. Oh my god. But was Cor- Corel a psychopath? Uh well I mean the murderer would would say so he might be I mean because he just seemed okay and he had I, psychotic elements about him definitely yeah I mean it's just like to me um 
I mean, but then you get into the – I don't know if it's the bad boy thing like we say with girls are attracted to bad boys. But I read you know that – like, or I think it maybe was even in the movie where they said you know because he was a killer, you know, uh, the young guy, the real young guy, the, the guy kept saying, I want to fuck your sister, which what the fuck was that? What a cover-up that was. <laughs> All he would do is stand there and tell this young, good-looking young twink, you know – your sister's so hot. She looks a lot like you. Boy, what I wouldn't do to fuck her. She's hot. I'd fuck her. I'd hold her just like I'm holding you right now. And I'm like, dude, no, you're you're just doing this to him. I mean, you know, why don't yeah. you just fucking give it up? But um, it said something like, you know, because he was a killer and he had known he had killed, then he was attracted to him and all this and that. And I'm like, okay, if you take this guy for what he is, which you can't because this movie's so fucking – over the top outrageous uh yeah brad pitt's a fucking psychopath i mean he's a fucking murderer and he mutilates the corpse of a guy he murders like nothing he uh has no conscience i don't think uh he's narcissistic Mm -hmm. uh to the point of being you know a psycho because uh the only thing he feels is his shit within himself yep uh, as far as even committing the, the smuggling the drugs, getting people involved, his whole brother thing. I mean, he needed a shrink. <laughs> That's all he needed. Yeah. Anyway. Fast Bitter needed a shrink. Yes. Okay. Now, if they remake this and they have Fast Bender play, play, play. Quirrell? Yeah. No. You'd have to have Justin Timberlake play Quirrell. <laughs> and then Fast Bender would be – now, You get who would you get to play No-No? Rocky Johnson. <laughs> Rocky Johnson. <laughs> All right, let's move on on this. All so right, so uh, six point five to seven point five. Uh, in, in, never ends. And recommendations from both. So let's take a break and come back and do some feedback. God, I forgot. Maybe we should keep talking about. <laughs> we'll be right back. Wow. Are you tired of the same old pop culture podcast? Do you listen to those other podcasts and think to yourself, why aren't they talking about the things I'm interested in? Hi, I'm Reverend Scott, and when I want to listen to a couple of guys with their appendages on the pulse of pop culture, Penis. I listen to the Are You Serious podcast. Hear news about politics and religion where hosts Chris and Frank ask the tough questions. You woke up with a cock in your mouth. Would you take it or leave it? Yeah, exactly. How big is the cock? <laughs> You'll hear entertainment news about your favorite movies and TV shows, plus plain old wholesome discussion about the lives of Chris and Frank. I mean, now I am, like, tattooed. It's weird. It's like I've... I guess I should explain what I got. Yeah. It's three swastikas. Each one interconnected. <laughs> to look like a smiley face. And on my left arm is cock and balls. And you notice I looked at my right arm. from an old that. Disney film. It's a prequel to Song of the South. Exactly. No, I have, it's um, called Song of the Cock and Balls. <laughs> it sounds like this. So when you think pop culture podcast, remember this. What's that thing between the dick and the asshole? The Are You Serious Podcast on iTunes or areyouseriouspodcast.com.
I, I swear I did not pick that Are You Serious promo. <laughs> I did not. Pl- I just had so I totally forgot that it had all the dick talk in it. Just they were gay before gay was cool. <laughs> uh, it's time for feedback and stuff. And stuff. Got a few voicemails this week. Um, and we got one email from Alan, who I failed to mention earlier. Alan gave us, uh, he recommended that we watch Leather Boys this week, and we paired up uh, Quero with it. So, so thank you, Alan, for that. And he actually has a little feedback on Leather Boys. So, yay! yay. Alan says, uh, hello, Zombin Loaf. Hello. A lot of silver and gold talk since I did some last or since I last did some feedback. I think it was all the wrestling talk that got me too confused to feedback. Ah. Wrestling is a weak spot in my well of knowledge, but then again, it was never really a big thing in the state of Denmark. We do have a guy <laughs> that looks a bit like Hulk Hogan. I'll have to post a picture of him later. Can't be um, too- DK. Uh, you might have seen him in a movie. He plays the big blonde Viking in the 13th Warrior. Ah, yes. Okay. I remember that. Uh, with your Leather Boys pick, I have to write you. I found this movie after I watched The Veteran, another Sydney Fury movie. Or is it Furier? I don't even know. Um, and as usual, I check out some of the cast and crew's back catalog on IMDb. The title of The Leather Boys stood out, and when I saw the plot keywords, my thoughts went directly to Silva and Gold. I think, it, I think it was back when all the cuddly sailor pictures were hitting the Facebook group. <laughs> Not having watched it myself earlier, I found a copy online and watched it yesterday. It was pretty good. I hope you liked it, even though, spoiler alert, it's very light on Blue Oyster Bar and cruising action. <laughs> That's uh, all right. When they go on the honeymoon, the sign says Bogner. For a minute, I thought it said Nilbog and we could, uh, and we would get to see a bunch of leather-clad trolls or goblins, because you know what they say about Nilbog. Sadly, that didn't happen. Nilbog's from Troll Two, and I still haven't seen Troll Two. Um, Just watch the documentary. Did Pete look a bit like Jim's brother-in-law from According to Jim? I don't remember him. <laughs> before the brother-in-law ate a couple of whales or was it just me um if my wife was anything like her i think i'd actually start to fancy some leather-clad men uh, i'm against spousal abuse but she could but she could need a bit of slapping the likes of nero or silva <laughs> he, he was way too forgiving uh last i just wanted to comment on fear fear might have been a chore to get through but your review was hilarious so thanks for suffering so i could have some good entertainment at work yeah over, over and out al whatever so, so, Love you, Al. Thanks, motherfucker. You're fucking great. He's great. I love him. He is um, great. The fucker's great. So, yeah, thanks for that. Thanks for the pick, That's too. the kind of feedback we like. We like it. Yeah. That Bring it. 30-minute cookie reviews. What? I don't know. Killer cookie. Don't even talk about that. First voicemail. An anal douche some really... That's what you got me. I'm the Cinemascus. Not that type of... Okay, I like to watch bad movies. I'm not that type of masochist, okay? What am I supposed to do with that? It was you a cult that question. I know what I'm supposed to do with it. I'm not doing that. I'm just curious how I'm supposed to get rid of it. I can't really sell it. I don't really want it sitting around the house. I sure as hell am not taking it 
when I move in the next few months because I don't want to <laughs> tell my roommates, you know, they're going through my stuff. Oh, yeah, here's my videos, you know, my clothes. Oh, that's my anal douche. Oh, yeah, but just don't worry about that, man. Just, just don't even ask questions. It's a medical you instrument. Know, I hope to God I hit it well. Like, if I find out, like, my nephews come over and find it, that's going to be an awkward <laughs> conversation. And I almost have been up in front of my mother because she noticed I had a package and wanted to know what it was. And I started to open it up, and thankfully she walked the fuck away. Fully opened it, I just put it right back in. So I was just DVDs, nothing. They just carted it away. So that's what I thought it was going to be because I ordered a few DVDs from uh, Cinema Day Bazaar. Everybody go there. Uh, but, you know, it ended up being that. I was hoping it would be Goliath, but I guess uh, you think I, you know, you know I can handle it. That's why. Um,. You can, I know you can handle the animal douche. In, uh, something else. Oh, yeah. Um, what I'm going to do with it, what I think I should do... Spit on the end. Just go to one of those uh, clothing drafts, you know, Goodwill drafts, uh, and just drop it in there. You know, <laughs> the problem that is on the, you know, if they have, like, cameras up, out in those spots, because I'm sure they got people throwing shit in there all the time that shouldn't be in there, so I might want to track them down. But now, who knows? Maybe I'll just, you know, drive by somebody's house in the middle of the night, you know, like 30 minutes away from me, just a random person's house, and just leave it in their mail- mailbox. It'll be something funny for them to open up the next morning. Oh, honey. <laughs> and then the next day, wish you had. <laughs> I seriously don't know what I'm supposed to do with it. You assholes. Uh, and uh, I guess just do a quick follow-up on where the dead go to die. Uh, I'm not going to on this, but I still will say this because some people bring it up. It's not just the worst movie ever in my opinion because of all the child pornography and shit like that, and that's definitely a good case. It's also because it's just a shitty movie. The animation's terrible. There's, there's really not much of a story. The direction's not good, and the guy goes by something like, I think it's like Jeremy Screamer Claws or Jimmy Screamer Claws or some bullshit, snook- like obviously a made-up name. Um, Jimmy Snookaballs. It's, it's really weird. I should mention the dog half the time uh, his tongue is, is continually sticking out of his mouth, and it's weird and distracting. Um, and the voiceover <laughs> just isn't good. It's just not good. And, and if it was just because I mentioned, like, the dog, because in the trailer, I guess they showed the dog, you know, biting the guy's dick off or eating the fetus out of, you know, something like that. That, as twisted and horrible as it is, at least, yeah, you can laugh at that, because that happened before all the child pornography, and I was just like, this fucking weird, but I was, you know, kind of laughed at that. But then it just went down that route. I'm like, no, you know what? No, it wasn't even worth it. It doesn't last long in the beginning all that weird shit it's just it's fucking terrible people and i know i'm gonna make you guys all watch you guys all now want to see it ah but <laughs> hey that's the rip all righty guys keep up the good work and uh don't send me on any more animal dishes on you already got one um now he's offended by the anal douche colt anal douche it was a brand new one <laughs> sent straight from the company had a nice picture on the box and everything. but And he's worried that his mom's going to see that. But then he'll sit there and watch a fucking movie that has child pornography in it. An animated movie. And he's not worried about her walking in on that. He's not worried about anything about that. It's like, what the fuck? What kind of people listen to this goddamn shitty fucking podcast? Jesus Christ. Uh... And not, you know, okay. The anal douche thing. Um... Colt Anal Douche. Uh, that's our sponsor for Silver and Gold Podcast. Um, it looked bringing ass it, to the class. If you get a chance, just go on Google, type in Colt Anal Douche, and you'll see it's a nice gift. <laughs> he will have the cleanest uh, rectum in Pennsylvania. Yeah. And then if No No, if you lose to No No, and he's got to do his thing, he won't be able to tell everybody when I put my dick out, it has shit all over me. <laughs> he won't at all. 
Let me tell you something. No, no, you got to prepare for stuff like that. You can't just, uh, you know, you're, you, geez. Break. <laughs> the guy on the box of the cult anal douche got could his fucking underwear be any tighter. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, <laughs> if your mom finds it, don't tell her it's an anal douche. Just tell her to like clean out like a baby's ears or something. <laughs> Give it to her. Give it to her. Well, she might use it. Oh, you, know, them, you know, older ladies, they always had like the hot water bottle. You called it a hot water bottle. But other people <laughs> called it a douche bag. Uh, all right. Yeah. Next. Fuck. <laughs> Hey there, hey, my name's Randy Ross. I'm calling you from uh, San Diego, California, and I saw that you maybe a part. You do some marketing for resorts. Oh, fuck you. I didn't check that one. What All was right. that? Fuck you, Randy. I don't know. Some It sounded like a spam mail. All yeah. right. Uh, next next, uh, next voicemail. Yeah, I did leave feedback, and I don't even know if it got cut off, but clearly yeah. um, it didn't get saved or something. I don't know. It's Emily. Yeah, I called about showgirls. I love showgirls. Um, you probably knew that already. Uh, there, there have been many theories on showgirls and, and why some, like me, love it and, and why others, like you, just wonder what the, the deal is. I don't know the exact answer. Um, I have one theory, I think, because I've noticed a trend in that many, um, not to say more women like showgirls than men, but I think there might be something to it of the fact that um, the movie is one of the least sexy movies that I can... Didn't she already leave this email? Voicemail? Or does it try to be sexy? Maybe. I don't really think it does. I and I think that's kind of part of what, what's funny about it to me. Um, I, and I think it also kind of <laughs> might alienate heterosexual males such as yourself who go into a movie called Showgirls um, that is covered <laughs> from beginning to end in boobs. And yet it just never is actually, you know attractive in any way. Um, I don't know. I can't remember who said it, but it kind of feels as though the movie was written by a 14-year-old boy who thinks, like, this is what's sexy because it's in centerfolds and everything else, but who has, like, never had sex or has no understanding of what actually makes something sexy. I don't know. Just a thought. Um, Maybe I've never had sex. Uh, I can't remember <laughs> what else I had to say because it got That's what Correll said. Uh, the movie that you were talking about <laughs> was with Candace Cameron um, and Fred Sapp. We're, we're going to have to get her on the show and do that Candace Cameron, Fred Savage movie. With I've her. seen that movie. Yeah. I watched it when I was on TV. I'm pretty sure I've seen it, too. All right. She's, she called back. Here you go. Fuck your voicemail or your fax or whatever. The, the did she just call um, us fags? I got cut off. Whatever. I have nothing more to say. <laughs> I'm going to go back to like Kevin Brett's Kevin what Brothers now. Listen. Which Don't is a really that. fucked up movie about kidnapping <laughs> women during mountain times to make them your wives. I'm not kidding. All right. Bye. What? <laughs> I don't know. I missed that one. Hang on. Yeah, no. I was talking. I got cut off. Whatever. I have nothing more to say. I'm going to go back and watch Seven Brats for Seven Brothers now, which no, is a no, really no. fucked up movie about kidnapping women during mountain times to make them your wives. I'm not kidding. All right. Bye. Keel. Wasn't Howard Keel in that? Never seen it. I don't know. Whatever. That's it for that's it for feedback. Seven Brides for Seven Brothers. That'd be like, yeah, okay. Anyway, God damn, I just stunk myself out. <laughs> <laughs> It must be the kidney beads. We've been on here so long, they actually processed all the way through my colon. Oh, God. Oh, what God. a fucking show, baby. Long show this week. We brought it. We brought it. So uh, you can always send us feedback at 206-339-1600. But apparently if uh, you live north of the Mason-Dixon line, it will cut you off. Um, the... 
That includes Justin, Emily, and Mikey. Um, Mikey. I hear some weird fucking sounds outside. Uh, it's the police. I have one neighbor that has these Sharpays, and if if whenever you whenever we walk our dog near anywhere close to their house, you hear this like horrific like oh sound from inside because their dogs just freak out at the like <laughs> hint of another dog in the presence. It's really weird. If I heard that sound, I'd think that uh, I don't know what. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. <laughs> oh my god, he knew what to do. Uh, um, yeah, two zero six three three nine sixteen hundred. Was it good? Was it good? Was <laughs> or it good? Um, you can send Fuck us a uh, voicemail to Silva Gold. Why do you want to know? At gmail dot com. Um, find us on iTunes or I my pants is really hard. We'd love everybody to leave us. <laughs> put your hand in there. You're not gonna let me finish, are you? Why do I want to do that? Uh, you know, want us. Uh, Send it, if uh, everybody write us some iTunes reviews uh, I'd like a few more that would be cool um, <laughs> and find us on our website at uh, silvaandgold.com um, and let's see thanks to everybody we played uh, uh. promos from this week and I can't remember who they are Hamacus uh, action, not action attraction, because I don't know why. And <laughs> who else did I play? Uh, no. Gay stuff. But yeah, outside the cinema, gentleman's guide to midnight cinema, and uh, are you serious? And uh, oh, girls on film. If they'll ever record again, did they record? Um, did one time, and Glee cast is going to have it. Does either have a new episode, or they are Glee recording? Because I know you like Glee, action Glee. attraction. Uh, yeah, that's my new reporter, Sam Cedar, <laughs> <laughs> Young Turks. Um, yeah, Young Turks is a good one too. Yeah. So, Uger. So he is my lord and master. Next week, uh, we're going to do a couple um, yeah. Southeast Asian fish out of water stories. Oh, ho, ho, ho. Martial arts fish out of water stories. Um, we're going to do a film that I saw at at Action Fest a couple years ago. Where's called. Action Fest? It's in Asheville, North Carolina. Oh, okay. Just, you, is that the one here. you didn't go to recently? Yeah, you- yeah, because I couldn't afford. Because right, having, retail, re, having retail jobs, I have to take the day off. Who's So when I take the day off and spend $100 on a weekend pass, it's like, you know, it ends up costing me like $600 to go. So, but of course, you will be at Horror Hound. I hope so. I hope to change my job situation by then. So uh, Start yeah. selling bath salts. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Marin Tao, we're going to cover. Um, these are both on Netflix Instant too. So, and uh, one that probably a lot of people have seen and kind of it's kind of revered in our in, in our circles. Uh, we're going to cover Tony Jaa's Ong Bak. Tony Jaa. So two stories about these you know guys coming from small farming towns to a big. Asian city and Asian hillbillies. Asian hillbillies coming to find some trouble in the big city. So, yep, should be good. Zom hasn't seen either one. Nope. And uh, there's some pretty wild kung fu action in them. So, any gay stuff in it? No gay stuff. Sorry. Shit. Maybe next. Maybe maybe the week after we'll do something. Okay. We'll, we'll get back to normal. So, so yeah, Marantau and Ong Bak, both on Netflix Instant. So check those out and play along with us if you want. And uh, that's about it for me this week. I've got to go eat and fucking yep. get to work. Yeah. 
Tom, do you have anything else, sir? Nope. Alrighty. I ain't got nothing. Until next week, we love you all, and this is nah. Loaf Oot. I don't love any of Oh, yeah, join our Facebook group like Zom just did. <laughs> what? Again. Alright. <laughs> this is Enough Loaf Oot. Bullshit. Zom. Bye. <laughs> Guy steals from orangutan. What?